Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. BFT. Now. Presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Stephen Vaughn and Sean McPherson. This is the Bald-Faced Truth. There's a lot going on in the world of sport right now. Even though it's kind of the dead period of sports, this mid-July, late July, early August, we're usually waiting for football, waiting for basketball to come back. The fall is usually when things pick up. It feels like there's a lot going on right now. And so we have a lot to talk about on today's show. My name is Sean McPherson, and I will be co-hosting the next three hours alongside my friend, our board operator across the glass, Stephen Vaughn. World Championships going on in Eugene, a huge event, the biggest event this state has ever seen. Football season getting closer and closer. NBA Summer League, NBA offseason, the Blazers 3-1. and one. In the summer league, the tournament is coming up. But first, wanted to start the show by talking about yesterday, recapping a fantastic event over in Aloha, the eighth annual Bald Face Truth Foundation Golf Tournament. Uh, John is uh, it's his uh, it's his rest day after after putting on such a great event. Uh, all sorts of celebrities at that event, and it was a uh, it was a fantastic time, and it was so cool just to. Uh, you know, see all these people come together, all sorts of different walks of life and, you know, some really significant people in the sports world, former athletes that won Super Bowls, that won NBA finals for the Blazers, uh, current broadcasters, you know, whether it's in the news world, whether it's in the weather world, there was a weather reporter there. Um, you know, uh, Mike Jorgensen was there. He's currently a uh, Oregon broadcaster for the football team. Aaron Fentress, coaches were there. Miss Oregon was there, a former umpire, and Jim Joyce. It was just really cool to see all sorts of people uh, come together, get to know those people a little bit, and uh, more importantly, just kind of see all of them out of their usual element. I mean, you're so used to seeing someone like Mark Wasikowski in the dugout handling business, but to see him out on the golf course and, you know, just uh, see him having a fun time and really all of these people just a little bit out of their element and supporting such a great cause. I mean, we talked about the cause yesterday. And all, all, all the proceeds of that golf tournament went towards the Bald Face Truth Foundation, which does all sorts of, of charitable acts, uh, mostly for, for the youth uh, in the worlds of sport and arts and theater, whatever, whatever uh, people choose to pursue. And also Camp Exceptional going on next week. Uh, John Canzano will be out all of next week. He is uh, he's handling Camp, Camp Exceptional, which is another fantastic cause. But, uh, Stephen, I know you, you were back in the – the studio kind of running things, but just overall, I mean, you, you still got to hear all of the interviews and kind of hear the entire 750 the game broadcast. What stood out to you yesterday? What was your favorite favorite parts? Well, first of all, I just want to you know give my to my cap to you, Sean. You did a good job. Got put in you know a little bit of a tough spot there. Uh, late late ad that you're gonna host the thing and you're gonna be interviewing people. So good job to you. Thank but you. Uh, no, I mean it's it's a great cause and and that's the thing. And as a parent, you know I'm all about. Uh, helping out the youth, especially in this area, because you know, as I as my kids are getting older and they're doing more sports and they're having more friends, I see different situations that kids come from, and sometimes it's just so sad because 
you know that there's certain kids that just don't have a good chance, right? Like their 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 home life isn't great, you know, whether it's their parents or you know they don't their brothers and sisters. I mean, whatever it is, they don't have a good chance in mm-hmm. life to really succeed. And so these are the type of things that you know John gives back with the BFT Foundation, whether it's through sports or like you said, drama or into music, all that kind of stuff. Like find what you're passionate about and go for it, and try to put these kids in a good situation to help out the world and help out the community because that that's what it's about. The kids are the future. And I know that's pretty corny to say, but it's is true. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, like I said, as a parent, as my wife is a high school teacher, I, she tells me stories about some kids and just some of the stuff that they go through and it, it breaks my heart. And so anytime you can go out and you can help and you can do things for the kids, that, you know, on the community, it's all, I'm all hundred percent on board. And, and that's what you heard a lot of the celebrities say was, you know, it's all about the kids. You met, you talk about kids. I'm here. I'm going to help out. So, that was really good to hear from all the all the celebrities out there. Yeah, I mean, extracurricular activities can be the ultimate equalizer. Where you know, some we we see so many examples of professional athletes who share stories about their childhood. You know, people that have made it so big. You know, someone like LeBron James, someone like uh, you know, just name name a lot of these these people who you know maybe had a a, a harder childhood, but they used a sport or they used theater or they used music, whatever the case may be, to. Um, you know, eventually kind of make it through and, and be able to give back. So that's why it's so important whether, you know, you can't afford to be put in a, a camp and be able to participate in certain events or maybe your your, your special needs. And, you know, to be a camp exceptional, that's why it's so great. It's it's a camp that is kind of it, – it's uh, – it, so many people are – allowed to uh, participate in that you know it's just uh, it's welcome to all and that's why I thought it was such a great cause and just to hear from people like Alex Molden who had kind of a personal story to to share you know about he has a kid who has special needs and he sees how important it is for him to get involved in uh, in, in camps like that or um, we even had one of the the weather I believe it was one of the K2 people that we interviewed and she talked about like yeah when I was in high school middle school like that's where I got to learn through extracurricular activities, some of the skills that I use in my job, like, you know, production skills. So, yeah, just a fantastic event yesterday, and uh, it was really cool to get to know some of the uh, the real uh, iconic figures in our state. Um, you know, Miss Oregon, someone that, uh, someone that has accomplished amazing things. You don't get to hear from her every day. So I thought that was just a really cool unifier. Um, but, yeah, World Championships going on in Eugene. Uh, it starts today, and I want to I cover it quite a bit on this show. Uh, I, I'm hoping that it's a great turnout in Eugene. I mean, they they got this bid years and years ago. And really, Stephen, I mean, people, not everyone loves track, right? You know, it's not one of those mainstream sports that you think about. But uh, this is an, a huge event. I mean, you think of how often do you think of the best in the world, the best athletes in the world gathering in one place? I mean, you think of like the Super Bowl, you you think of the World Cup, World Cup, you think of the Olympics. This is basically the Olympics, but if it's only boiled down to track and field. So you think of some of the iconic names that we've seen come through this sport of track and field, like Usain Bolt is retired right now, but Usain Bolt would be in Eugene if he was, uh, you know, a little bit younger and he was still competing. Like, that's just to say, like, the best in the world are going to be crowned in Eugene. The fastest person in the world is going to be crowned in Eugene uh, over, I think that's tomorrow or Sunday. That's going to be this weekend, the the 100 meters for both the, the men and women. Uh, you know, the best distance runners, the best throwers, the best decathletes. So uh, I'm just curious. Give us a call today, 503-417-7575, whether you're going to be able to make it out to the world championships, why or why not. And I'm hoping that, one, the engagement is really good for this event. 
that we see a lot about it on social media, that we see coverage of this on, on our platforms that we consume, whether that's ESPN, whether that's the news, whether that's, um, you know, like Twitter, social media. And two, I hope the attendance is is really good for this event because it deserves it. Again, there has never been a bigger event in the state of Oregon. There's never been a world championship in this country before. This is the very first time that the track and field world championships have taken place uh, on U.S. soil. So it's a it's a very significant event. And quite frankly, Stephen Hayward Field they they've struggled a little bit this year. I'm not going to say struggled, but the the numbers haven't always been sensational this year. They get all of the best events in America. So the U.S. Championships, all of the best Americans competing to make it to this event, they all competed about three weeks ago uh, over at Hayward Field. And quite frankly, the numbers were not good. On Thursday of that week, it was 2751, 2,751 people. 3,314 people on Friday, 3,664 people on Saturday, 3,500 and 77 people on Sunday. So to put that in context, Hayward Field holds 12,500 people, and it's expandable to nearly 25,000 people. So I'm really interested to see what, why that happened. Was that an anomaly? Was it just a really hot weekend? Or is it you know a problem that we're not talking about? Is lodging too expensive in Eugene? Is track and field just not that that big of a sport? Does the sport not promote itself that great? I think we're going to learn a lot. I'm a huge track and field fan, so I'm really curious to see how is this going to do because if this event doesn't do well at Hayward Field, this brand-new complex, and if it doesn't do well, if it doesn't bring in the numbers that they hope, and if it, this just isn't that big of an event, I'm not sure when track and field's ever going to pop in the United States of America. No, and you might be right, and that's the thing. You know, you talk about just the Pacific Northwest in general. Uh, I remember when, you know, anytime Autzen Stadium or Research Stadium is up for renovation, there's always the argument of, well, how many seats should we put in? What should the capacity be? Because you look at, you know, some of the college campuses down south in the Midwest, you know, Michigan has over 100,000 people. If if Autzen Stadium was 100,000 people, would it fill up every single game? No, it wouldn't. And that might just be because we don't care as much about sports in the Northwest. We don't, you know, there's not as many people that are just around it all the time. So, it may be a combination of both of those things, right? It's in Eugene, Oregon. It is track. It's not the most uh, popular sport out there. So maybe d- could it be that they just built Hayward Field too big? Mm-hmm. Right? Is it could that be a possibility, or is it just like you said, it was too hot outside and people just weren't aware of it? And this event is going to be bigger because it is the world. Everyone's it's, aware of it. It's glo- everyone's aware of this. This one. is globally like on the global scale. I want to ask you this, as you are the track guy. Like, on the global scale, how big is this event in the track and field world? It's everything. You know, every, anyone that's familiar with track and field is is familiar with, with this event. I mean, it's the Olympics and it's world championships in track. Like, those in the Olympics have happen every once once every four years. The global championships happen once every two years. So, so would you say this is, like, the number two event? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the number two event. And, After you know, the, the Olympics. Olympics have a little bit more to it, right? right? It's the Olympics. You know, everyone wants to be an Olympian. Everyone wants to say they have an Olympic gold medal. And uh, the Olympics are huge. But when it comes to track and fields, I mean, like I said, this is basically the gathering. This is the world championship for just track and field, right? So this is this is basically the Olympics 
but only track athletes. Right. And so this is, I mean, the best, like I said, the best in the world are going to be crowned in Eugene, and world, re- world records are going to go down at this event, you know? I, I know that for a fact. Sydney McLaughlin, a uh, women's 400-meter hurdle runner, if you don't know who that is, you should, because she is uh, she's insane. And she's my age, I think. She's 22, 23. She made the Olympics uh, back when she was in high school for the first time. And she'll be competing, and she easily broke the world record at the U.S. championships, and she had no competition. So she is just on another level this year, and I guarantee you she's going to break a world record. So that's one. And then you have all these other people. You know, Ryan Krauser always seems to break world records. Um, there's this pole vaulter who is from Sweden who, uh, who's who been really, really good. So that, that might be another world record. So the point is, you know, world-class uh, performances are going to go down at Hayward Field. And I'm just really curious whether people are going to tune in, whether people are going to show up. If you don't want to show up, if you're against it, why or why not? Is lodging too expensive? Do you not care about track and field? Is there is it is the event too expensive? The event is expensive. So I'm, I'm curious if, if they priced it out a little bit high because I'm personally very, very interested in going for all the things that I'm talking about right now. But it's uh, I'm not sure I can afford it. You know, we're talking we're talking for the the top days like maybe a two hundred two hundred fifty dollar ticket. Uh, maybe on a day like today, like not as much going on today. Just kind of getting started. Probably ninety dollars to get into the building today. But man, when you see like that that men's and women's one hundred race or uh, you know the uh, the four hundred or whatever the long jump, whatever event that people are going to want to see, you're going to have to pay a premium to get in. So I, I'm just really intrigued by how this event ends up doing. Did Hayward, did University of Oregon make a good investment? You have to remember that they made the investment for this. You know, they they upgraded Hayward Field because they wanted to host the World Championships, and now the World Championships are here. So I'll be really curious to see how this does. And if it doesn't do well, then I think there's going to be some serious questions to to be asked. That being said, would love to take your phone calls on this 503-417-7575. Are you going to the World Championships? Are you interested in going to the World Championships or are you completely out on it? Would love your calls again. That's 503-417-7575. We'll go ahead and take our first break of the show. Continue to talk about this among many other topics right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Yeah, we got the intro right, but those liners still have John Canzano's name on it. He's out today. He's recovering from a fantastic event yesterday. The Reserve and Vineyards Golf Club was the site of the 8th Annual Bald Face Truth Celebrity Golf Tournament. I uh, hope you enjoyed yesterday's broadcast. It was a lot of fun uh, bringing that to you. I think it was a really good day for the station. I think it was a really good day for the BFT Foundation. And uh, just on a personal note, it was fantastic to be able to get to know uh, some of the iconic sports figures around our community. Uh, with that being said, we're talking about the World Championships right now uh, on the BFT. I'm curious if listeners are interested in attending the World Championships. Are you are you out on it? Or is it too expensive to go? Are you are you not interested in the sport of track and field? Are you interested in one event? Maybe you want to go see the marathon. Maybe you just want to be out on the sidewalk watching Galen Rupp and some of the world's best runners run by. 
Uh, maybe maybe you're all in, but you can't afford it, <laughs> like me. Uh, yeah, so I'm curious to see 503-417-7575. I mean, that's what they built Hayward Steel. Excuse me, that's what they built Hayward Field for. At the end of the day, it was all uh, the reason they upgraded Hayward Field. Uh, kind of a controversial move at the time, tearing that one down, the iconic, historic Hayward Field, and really giving it some new juice. The reason they did that, that was the only way they were going to be able to host a global championship. And now they start today after years and years of preparation. So it'll be really interesting to see how well it does, whether it's packed to the brim or maybe it's a little bit of a bust like the U.S. championships were a couple of weeks ago. Uh, or f- quite frankly, you know, throughout the throughout the entire track season, you know, they've hosted the NCAA championships and some of the diehard college track fans, you know, Teams from, you know, people from Kentucky, Florida, Florida won both the men's and women's. Uh, There was a ton of fans from Florida, but quite frankly, the stadium was probably half full for that one. So I'm just really curious to see uh, whether they built it too big, whether it was it was worth it to upgrade the stadium. And I think that all kind of relies on how well the world championships does. But on another topic, Steve, in the Blazers, the summer league team, they've been looking pretty good three and one. And if I'm not mistaken, they're now entering tournament play, right? Well, so Summer League has a really uh, weird way to figure out a champion. They only take the top two teams. There's no tournament at the end. They take the top two teams in Summer League, and then they play one game one game to see who's a champion. So uh, how it works is if it's a tiebreaker, which it is, there's like 13 teams, I believe. Uh, yes, as of yesterday, that was 2-1. and one. Now a bunch of teams are 3-1. and one. If it's a tie like it is, then it goes to point differential. Mm-hmm. And right now the Blazers... Uh, I believe are in third place. Uh, Casey Holdall, he had tweeted this out uh, of all the different scenarios that Blazer fans would love to see. So right now the Blazers have an 8.3 point differential. And so there's a bunch of different uh, ways that they can make it, a bunch of different ways they can miss it. Uh, So there's some games tonight that do matter if you are into Summer League and you want the Blazers to make the final Summer summer League game to uh, win the championship. So five teams are already tied at 3-1 and as of right now. And uh, so, let's see, as I'm looking around here, the Knicks are in first place, but they are 3-1 and one with an 11.3 point per game differential. So the they Blazers are, beat the Knicks. But the Knicks have a higher point per game differential, so they are in the finals pretty much guaranteed. Uh, they will be in the finals. So the most important game for the Blazers, if you are a Blazer fan, you're watching is between the Pelicans and the Lakers because the Pelicans are 2-1 and one with a 9.7 point. Blazers beat the Pelicans. But the Pelicans have a 9.7 point differential. Uh, so if the, Pel- if the Pelicans beat the Lakers by four, it's tied with the Blazers, then it would be a coin flip. If they beat the Lakers by five, they pass the Blazers for second place. So if you're a Blazers fan, you want the Pelicans to win by three or less. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So a recap of Summer League so far. First game out was a little bit of a rough one because in the first five minutes, Shade and Sharp, who, you know, win or lose, I don't think most Blazer fans are that passionate about the team winning or losing. But I think Blazer fans are really passionate about watching their seventh overall pick. First couple of minutes, I mean, this man played four minutes, I think it was, until he uh, he got a little crack in his shoulder. And now he had a uh, he has a labrum injury, and he's going to be checked out pretty soon here. I mean, it was 10 to 14 days at the time. I think we're fast approaching that one. Hopefully he's he's right for the season, and it was just a minor injury. But the point is, uh, this guy who the Blazers drafted, who you didn't get to watch in college, you know, he got to college, he uh, he jumped up a year, so he reclassified. And then he just, uh, he 
I think he used a red shirt. No one really knows the full story of why he he didn't play in college, but uh, I don't think it was an injury. I just think he he just kind of got to Kentucky and he had some options and just decided to just train and be with the team. And he he was probably at practice every day, you know, scrimmaging against the team, getting a lot better. But point is, never got to see him in a game. But the reason the Blazers drafted him is because he's such a unique talent, right? You know, this guy can jump out of the gym, and he he really is like a modern. You watch guys like like Devin Booker and you know Bradley Beal. I think those are some of the uh, the prominent comparisons to him. And the those are you know bigger two guards, you know six six maybe six five, athletic, springy, and super quick and have just pure basketball skills, right? So those are guys that can dunk on you, but they're guys that can cross you up and get to their spots really quickly. And that's what I think Shade and Sharp is. So I agreed with the pick at the time, but it is a shame that having gotten to see him really ever. And like right now in the NBA, you see guys like Ben Simmons, you see guys like Kyrie Irving, you see guys that are super talented, but just their personality, it doesn't really seem like they want it that much. And I have talked to some friends that kind of feel that way about Shade and Sharp. I happen to disagree. I think it's just bad luck. And, you know, I understand college kids that, that want to get paid without without getting injured at all and affecting their draft stock. But I, I can understand a little bit where it's like this guy never played in college and now he's in the NBA. He gets a minor injury. I don't think it was his call, you know, to sit out. I think he'd be playing if he could. But just the fact that he hasn't played and, and seeing what we just watched with Ben Simmons all year and Kyrie Irving and you know, just James Harden, some of the other guys that just don't seem to want it that much. But I happen to disagree. What do you think about it? Yeah, so the story with Shaden Sharp is when he did a role early at Kentucky, he did practice every day with the team. Mm-hmm. And he was around them all the time. And he, he was good friends with all the players. Uh, but he, he just felt like it wasn't going to work out for this year. So he was going to come back uh, this next season. But then he entered his name into the draft. And that's when his draft stock took off. Because at the start of the draft process, he was considered maybe a middle first-round pick to a later first-round pick, and then he boomed up the draft stock, draft, uh, up the draft boards, and that's when he decided, okay, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to go to the NBA and go now, and it worked because he became the seventh pick in the draft, and now he has the potential. Where John Calipari, who is the coach at Kentucky, even has come out and said, you know, if Shane Sharp played next season, he'd be a top three pick. Right. And yeah. so that's the type of potential that he supposedly has, and it's just it like you said, it sucks because we haven't seen him play a real game with referees on TV. For over a year, right? He played high school and summer league. I, I said last night, summer league is kind of fake basketball, which it kind of is. But I would have loved to see him play with a referee just in a structure of that. He hasn't had a lot of that. We haven't. No, he hasn't. We haven't a lot seen of this tape is kind of like, even though it's very impressive. Again, he's he's dunking on guys. He's he's flying in the air. He hasn't played a lot of organized basketball, right? I mean, he's uh, you don't see a lot of a lot of structured referees, a lot of fouls. A lot of the tape that you see from him is is you know a little bit of running up and down and and kind of that culture of basketball the AAU you know chucking up shots and uh, not a lot of referee involvement and not a lot of plays so I think that's kind of the concern I think that's why this guy might be ready to play in the NBA talent wise and skill wise right now but he it's kind of the uh, the fundamentals that I think he might need a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of help with, or, you know, a little bit of training, you know, and I do think getting him with Chauncey Billups, getting him with the development side of the Blazers, I think out of all the position groups, Portland can develop guards really well. I mean, he's got Dame to rely on. He's even got Anthony as a mentor now, but I do think that he's going to take a couple of years. And uh, 
I, you know, I don't think he's going to be ready, but that kind of leads me to another point with summer league. Keon Johnson. How about him? Huh? I think, you know, I think a lot of Blazer fans are hoping that Shaden Sharps, maybe that third guard. I think Keon Johnson might end. Well, Gary Payton, excuse me, that fourth guard, Gary Payton, the second is going to be the third guard on the team, but that fourth guard, the backup point guard, you know, Damon Anthony will probably stagger a little bit. Anthony might play a lot of that backup point guard like CJ used to, but it's that fourth guard spot that's kind of wide open where the backup point guard when Damon Anfernee are resting or one of them's hurt maybe. So I think that's Keon Johnson right now based on what we've seen. Uh, yeah, I would disagree with you. I think Shane Sharp's going to get those minutes. Really? Yeah, I, okay. I, like, I like what Keon's done, but Shane Sharp is just definitely uh, more potential than Keon Johnson. And I, I don't know that he'll be ready, but I think the Blazers want to see what he can do right away. But it, it'll be interesting. I was talking to some people today about the starting lineup for the Blazers, kind of assumed that Josh Hart was going to start the three, but it makes more sense almost to bring Josh Hart off of the bench, kind of like what Terry Stotts did uh, with Noah Vaughn lay back in the day. Uh, just get him the minutes at the start and have a little more firepower off the bench because if you start Josh Hart, then your backups are going to be Gary Payton the second, Nas Little, and Shaden Sharp. That's about it. Drew right. Eubanks, Trent Wofford, but none of those guys are really offensive-minded besides Shaden Sharp. And at 19 years old, if the Blazers are really trying to make the playoffs – can you rely on a guy like Shane Sharp at 19 to come into the game, be your offensive firepower off the bench, and do that consistently night in and out? That's just it's unfair to ask of a guy like that. So I think, I think almost they should start Justice Winslow, who's a really good defender. Bring Josh Hart off the bench, let him be kind of that firepower off the bench that we haven't really had here in Portland in years, and take a little pressure off of Shane Sharp. So I do think Shane Sharp's going to get a lot of minutes. I don't see Keon Johnson playing that much here with the Blazers this year. I like what he's done in summer league, but I haven't seen it a lot when he played last year in the regular season. He still doesn't have a lot of you know super skills. He's a really good athlete, uh, but I still think there's a lot missing to his game that I think Shaden Sharp will hopefully you know he can turn into that type of all star player that you're looking at. But it's not going to be this season, right? Yeah, I, I'm just curious who's going to be what the starting lineup is. I mean, if I were in charge. Maybe this is a hot take, but I, I, I use Anthony as the sixth man, and I think but that— But you can't give him $100 million to come off the bench. Right. And like that's not going to happen. Man, but the Blazers have just been so poor defensively for so long, and who's the better defender, C.J. McCollum or, you know, a young Anthony Simons right now? Well, so C.J. was a, CJ was an average defender to below average defender, where bad. Simons has been below average. The hope is that he's 23 years old— he has shown signs before in the past of being a good defender. Chauncey Billups, he really looks up to him. Chauncey's instilled a lot of confidence in the young guy, so you would hope that he gets better on that side of the ball. But I do think this is kind of Dame CJ part two, and that is the worrisome thing, but you've invested your money into it. You gave Anthony Simons $100 million. When they re-signed CJ, they gave him you know $30 million a year. You have to start CJ McCollum. You have to start Anthony Simons in that situation. I think, I'm with you. I think Simons fits better off the bench than being your go-to scorer off there, just being an offensive guy, but... With the Blazers roster construction, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I think there have been better players to come off the bench than Anthony Simons. Tyler Hero, we just saw him win sixth man of the year. And I feel like Anthony Simons can be just like Tyler Hero next year. Like, I, I do think he's good enough, and I, I'm very high on Anthony Simons. But I think he he can easily be a sixth man of the year, and they can start Gary Payton the second at that two spot. And Dame's going to go ballistic offensively next year. He You know, he's a year rested, and he is going to be ready to go next year. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to have a lot to prove after that big extension. So my point is, I don't think you need another Dame-like player at the two spot. Uh, and that's why I would, dra- I would start 
Gary Payton the second. But so you have a little bit of a, you know, offense defense in your backcourt. Do you think Anthony Simons is going to be open to the fact that I just got paid a hundred million dollars? I'm going to come off the bench. I no. think I, it, it matters to NBA players if they start to come off the bench. You think so? Yes, hundred percent. Anthony Simons just got a very generous deal, and I think even if they, he has no right to complain if he is the sixth man. He hasn't proved enough. I think Anthony you're underestimating the, the egos of the guys in the NBA. The starting definitely matters to those guys. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting discussion. Well, we got to jump to a break. We'll keep talking Blazers, keep talking World Championships right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Big win for Shoe Mill yesterday, and a big win for the Portland Pilots. We were teasing the scores throughout the entire broadcast at the Bald Face Truth Radio Foundation. Bald Face Truth Foundation. I keep saying radio. Just the Bald Face Truth Foundation uh, golf tournament yesterday. We were teasing the scores throughout, and I predicted Team uh, Miss Oregon would win. And my partner, Jim Ferretti, he predicted that uh, team Bricks, led by Mike Jorgensen, would win. And it ended up being Team Shoemill, which was led by Shantae Leggins. Uh, at one moment, towards the end of the tournament, they went from, like, minus 17 to minus 20, just in a blink. And we we suspected some cheating, but at the same time, I would hope that there was no cheating involved at a charity golf tournament with a lot of, you know, a bunch of adults that are in the uh, the sports industry. But, yeah, Team Shoemill, led by celebrity golfer Shantae Leggins, University of Portland, men's basketball coach they ended up winning the golf tournament well, i will it's, say shante liggins you know college coach sometimes those college competitive coaches, little uh little snaky no i'm just joking <laughs> i'm just joking shante they do what it takes to win yeah shante liggins is a great coach by the way i i love the university of portland program that basketball team is fun to watch they're gonna be good next year yeah got the chance to talk to both portland state basketball coaches in one interview it was it was uh it was fun to kind of you know, see the chemistry between those two. Ask them, hey, hey, you guys working together a lot? You know, obviously two different programs. And uh, they're like, yeah, we share a wall. You know, we, we give each other advice all the time. And um, they also talked about Viking Pavilion and just how, how nice that place is and underrated. And um, they're encouraging me to go out to a game next year, which I absolutely will uh, will do. You know, right downtown, uh, this northwest-ish type of uh, or part of Portland, uh, right by the Pac West Center where we're currently located. Portland State basketball. Really looking forward to uh, potentially, not potentially, getting to a game, both on the men's and women's side. Uh, both both those coaches, Chase Coburn, Chelsea Gregg, they have their programs on the rise. Yeah, but, and uh, Chase Coburn and the Vikings almost beat Oregon State last year down at Reeser, and they've had a pretty good program the last few years, so you should definitely check it out. I mean, they, I, I love small college basketball, if you right. can tell. I love it, and so I you know, I pay attention to these local teams. But I did want to ask you about the about the golf tournament here real quick, Sean. Sure. I wanted to ask you, what out of all the, all the interviews you did, did you have a favorite interview that really stuck out to you that you really were excited about when you were giving it? Yeah, my favorite was Miss Oregon. Um, she just... I feel like that's someone that doesn't get the coverage that she deserves, at least on a, a platform like this, you know, a sports radio station. Um, but it was just such an impressive person, uh, honestly. Ariel Freitag was her name, and she's 28 years old and got to learn a lot about her. Like, out of all the interviews, I did my homework on some of these people, but honestly, 
she was just so good at answering questions because that's part of her job, right? In, in pageants, yeah, you have to be really good at answering interview questions. So she was super ready, and she she revealed kind of a lot of her story and her journey to becoming Miss Oregon. You know, she failed six times. She was involved in the Miss Oregon competition six straight years. She never got it, and it was that seventh time uh, that she was able to pull through. And she said she just she cried like a baby when she finally she finally broke through and. She's just a winner in, in every regard. She was someone that, obviously, Miss Oregon, like, that would be enough for most people, right? But she's in pilot training. She's trying to become a pilot. I asked her, all right, a commercial pilot? She's like, no, I, I kind of want to just do it for fun. I kind of want to just be able to fly to wherever I go. And I think that's that's that sounds cool to a lot of people, right? Like, anyone would want to do that. But being a pilot takes so much work. Yeah. Like, that is hours and hours and years and years and so she's involved in that. She also broke a world record um, in Vegas for her 21st birthday. Like, I was saying, I went to Vegas for my 21st birthday. I went to Beatles Love, and, you know, I went out to cons- some casinos and went to dinner with my family. Just very normal things. She goes to Vegas for her 21st birthday, and she broke a Guinness World Record. Most casinos attended in 24 hours. Her mom helped her drive around. Um, 77 casinos was the uh, the final the final score there, and she's looking to break that for her 29th birthday. So Miss Oregon was was fantastic. She's one of those people where you listen to her talking, you're like, you know what? She's much better than I am. She's much smarter. Yeah. She's more. She's just put together better. Like she just gets it, right? right. Like she just gets it. She's better than I am, and I want to be like her. Like, right. That, that's what I got. That's what I got when I listened to the interview. But yeah, I talked about the casino thing because I just got back from Vegas, and uh, I how many te- casinos did you go to? Ooh. <laughs> Uh, not that many. Not 77. No. And I can tell you, I did not want to visit 77 casinos. Are there 77 casinos in Vegas? Well, there's got to be. I mean, she went to 77. Yeah, maybe she drove to, like, Reno I mean, or off something. The, off the strip, there's there's little, you know, hometown casinos that the locals go to. But, yeah, I mean, I, I laid by the pool a lot, and uh, that's about what I did. Mm-hmm. Lay by the pool and then went down to the casino that I was staying at and then went back up to the room and then back to the pool and go eat. That's what I did. Yeah, she's she's built different, as the as the kids like to say. Wesley Ogle was uh, was really cool to talk to. She was my first interview, so obviously, you know, um, first time interviewing someone at that event. There maybe the most nerves out of out of that one because it's your first, you know, the first one of the day. It was about eleven a.m. and she was she couldn't have been nicer, and she she was um, just a big personality with with Wesley Ogle, Adam Bjornson. I went and chased him down. I found him out on the course and. Um, like he was getting a lot of hype as being the best golfer out of the group. Like all of the descriptions said had some kind of creative punchline. Uh, but you know, like for Mark Wasikowski, it was like, yeah, he hits instead of, instead of hitting and running, he hits and walks or like, you know, asks really good questions or just some kind of creative punchline for every single golfer. But for Adam Bjornsson, it was like he actually is a really good golfer. So got to talk to him a little bit. He was actually struggling out there a little bit. I watched one of the holes, and um, you could tell he was he was super into it, which I definitely appreciated. So, yeah, it was it was it was really fun. That Portland State interview was definitely the most tricky to be able to talk to two coaches at once and try to generalize a little bit. You know, both both programs are so different. And uh, quite, to be honest, I didn't do enough homework. Like you saying Portland State men's basketball, they played Oregon State and battled them well. That would have been a great question, right? I, I didn't ask that. I, I just 
kind of was thrown in there and I knew who they were and I knew they were both they both just ended their first year but I didn't know a lot about their programs you know they're in the big so they, sky they correct I know they're in the big sky so they corrected me a little bit like I I definitely didn't know that Chelsea Gregg's program was total rebuild five and 28 last year she's really kind of tearing it down and building it back up so uh, and then, meanwhile, Jace Coburn, like you said, they're they're a solid team. They would they went toe to toe with Oregon State, who was awful last year, by the way. Right. Um, but still, a you know a major D one team, Pac twelve squad. They went fourteen and 17, 10 and ten in conference. So just that one was a tricky interview. Being able to ask questions to both of them. Okay, how do I keep this person involved? Also, this person involved. When do I go? Just Jace Coburn, just Chelsea Gregg. Um, so yeah, it was just it was great practice, and again, it was just awesome to to meet those people. Chelsea Gregg actually followed me on Instagram, so that go. was a big win. There you go. Yeah, you did, you did a great job just getting thrown in there. I mean, I couldn't even imagine, uh, and I'm glad they chose you to do it and have me just sit <laughs> back here pressing buttons on the board. But I really did find it fun uh, when like you were talking to the news people, and it was they were in such a different spot because they're so used to being inter- like they do the interviewing, but they mm-hmm. were being interviewed, so it was almost like they had to like think of answers to give. That you would, you know, it's just a different situation when you're being interviewed rather than being the interviewee. So I thought that was a cool dynamic for them. But yeah, I mean, just what a great event. Again, it just supports all these kids, all these local kids. And, uh, you know, as a parent, as a guy who, you know, I see the high school kids, you know, when they're running track, was my wife's a track coach. And, you know, I see these young kids now as my son is going into second grade. You know, it just, it, it really does feel good to like see. Kids that come from a tough background really get opportunities to succeed in life, and that's all that you really want, right? You don't mm-hmm. want them to become, uh, you know, living on the street or just have no, you know, just kind of a loser, right? Like you want them to have friends, you want them to be around things, and that's what it is. You know, sports and re- you know, outside recreational things. That's where you get your friends for life. You know, a lot of my mm-hmm. friends, yeah, I learned, I got from playing sports, and that's where I learned a lot of my life lessons was playing sports. And as a sports station, I mean, everyone here, sports is important, absolutely, and stuff like that. So it, it's good to get these kids into these type of things early on in their life and try to make their lives just a little bit better. And why are sports important to us? Sure, we love, you know, dribbling and shooting a basketball. We love watching people do that at the highest level, but we also love the stories, you know? If you're a journalist, if you work in sports media, uh, or if you're a consumer of, of sports journalism, you... Uh, you're also passionate about the stories behind people and time and time again, we see so many people that had a, um, you know, a tough childhood and, um, you know, it was sports that were kind of, again, the great equalizer and them excelling in basketball or having a really good coach or, you know, and as a result, being able to excel in a sport is what kind of brought them up. And now you see people like professional athletes, you see how much money they get, you know, NBA players, NFL players, they're able to give back. And they, a lot of people that are in sports never would have had those opportunities for how good of lives they live now if it wasn't for like what the BFT Foundation Golf Tournament did yesterday. So a fantastic event, had a ton of fun. That being said, we got one more break this hour. We'll go ahead and jump to that break. When we come back, the big splash on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Today at the World Championships, it's all about Allison Felix, the legend, the mother, the athlete, the advocate. She is hanging it up after years and years of dominance in the sport of track and field. 
And if you're listening to this right now, I invite you to Google Allison Felix. Watch what it does. It is uh it's really cool. Steven, go ahead and if you're not busy, Google Allison Felix. Tell me what it does. She's running in the mixed four by four hundred relay tonight. Uh she's looking for her thirtieth uh, 31st. She has 30 global medals between the Olympics and the World Championships. Uh, she's looking for 31 tonight. She just ran across my screen. She runs across the screen and then it flashes. What oh, does it congrats flash? Congrats on 20 unstoppable years. Yeah, so she's hanging it up, and that is the big story at today's World Championships. Uh, it, it should be a lot of fun to watch her, and I'm curious to see who her teammates are. And anytime the U.S. right now, the level of talent they have, uh, it, you know, just in track and field, anytime a relay team gets together, there's world record potential uh, as of right now in uh, in track and field. So I'll be curious to see what kind of time they can post. I think they're the favorites for gold. Allison Felix is running her last race at Hayward Field tonight. Well, and for your fellow DGENs, you can't bet on it. It's on the DraftKings app. I checked yes. it out. So uh, if my wife's watching it, I may have to watch and just, you know, entertain myself. So you would, I don't want to, so but you, I have to. You, need, you, you wouldn't put it on by yourself. But you're, your wife's a head track coach, right? She is, so yeah. hey, she's going to have this on. But she'll, she'll definitely be watching something. Let's say she's doing something else. You're not going to put this on on your own. Uh, I probably wouldn't. I probably will check out the highlights you know, and see on Twitter. I, I'm more about like the sprints and the races rather than the field events. right? I am I'm, too. I'm all about the track events. So you know, I'm probably not going to seek my way out to watch it on TV live, but you know, I'll watch the highlights, and they'll be posted everywhere on Twitter. So I'll, I will check out highlights you know, of the 100, the 400, 200, all those kind of things. So I'm curious, Stephen, because that this is the question we pose to – the callers, 503-417-7575. Um, what, what turns you on or off about this event? And if you're not interested in going and you know paying what it costs to, uh, to go to this event, or you're not even interested in you know watching the entire thing, I'm curious why that is. What's, your, what's kind of your, your positive and negatives you associate with this event? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really cool event, right? Like the World Championships, and as you said, it's you, – you, defined it as the second biggest basically track meet in the world right mm -hmm. like that's how it kind of and is. the other ones once every four years right the olympics like i tune into the olympics i like to watch the olympics but for me it's just you know i'm not a huge track fan like track and field fan like i i respect it i understand the athleticism that they have i understand that they are maybe the top athletes in the world but it's just not my thing like i just don't it just doesn't uh give me a lot of entertainment when i'm watching it so i will watch some of the sprints I know my wife is a track a head track coach, but like I don't really go to her track meets that often. When I do, like I'm always just you know gathering up my kids and things like that. So I'm just not super into track, uh, and so that's the main reason why I'm not you know I wouldn't be want to go and want to pay that kind of money uh, to this type of event. Here's my thing. I'm I I have the perspective of a diehard track fan. Like I have the schedule recognized. I'm I'm doing some writing work on the side uh, for a running blog. Like you're talking to a diehard track fan. Uh, probably my favorite sport. But I not a big hockey fan, not a big baseball fan. When the Stanley Cup is on, I'm watching it, right? You know, I I'll, I don't know the players that well. I don't know the the rules that well. But if the Stanley Cup Finals on, I'm watching it. Same thing with the World Series. Like I'm actually like not a baseball fan at all. Like I could probably name. I'm really weird like that, right? Someone in sports radio, not a baseball fan, not a major league baseball fan. Um, I'd probably name like ten ten players in the MLB. But my point is, if the World Series is on. I would probably actually make it an appointment to watch the World Series because it's the best of the best. It's the biggest competition. And so with that in mind, we have the biggest. And look, I'm, I'm an advocate for it. So here I am. 
Uh, we have the biggest of this sport, and it's right in our state. So I'm curious, you know, just it seems like a lot of people aren't that interested based on past attendance numbers. But that's why, you know, I'm super intrigued to see what the attendance ends up being here and how popular this ends up being because I'll be kind of dumbfounded if it doesn't do well. Well, I think another thing could be, you know, people are just really busy right now. You know, it's the summertime. The kids are out of school, so you have to make sure you got the kids taken care of. You know, for me, like, that would be my thing is, like, I can't really just drop everything and then drop a couple mm-hmm. hundred bucks and go down to Eugene right. for a day, right? The college football season's come up. Maybe people are saving up for college football rather to go to a football game rather than the track and field event. Like, yeah. I think there's a lot of different factors that may factor into this just for fans especially here in portland right you're gonna have to make that uh two-hour drive down to eugene it's not an easy drive right like you have to you have to plan your whole day around this one event so if you're not a big track fan i think that kind of goes into it all like you have to set your whole entire day you have to take care of your family you got to save your money maybe you want to go to a blazer games later on this like there's just a lot of different it's a lot it's a lot eugene's a little bit isolated like two hours away from portland not cheap i would not recommend staying in eugene uh not cheap right now when something like this happens like i understand it's a big event i think you know if it was an olympic event i think it's a little different because the olympics just have that kind of draw has the prestige whereas the world championships yes i understand this Mm. is the second biggest track it's the same athletes though that's what i'm trying to say i I know that but it's but the olympics is a so it's all marketing it's all marketing basically the olympics is any casual sports fan knows the olympics you're an olympian that is the coolest thing ever oh you competed at the world championships what you know whatever but it's the same athletes my brother-in-law and sister-in-law they aren't big sports fans right like they don't even they don't watch basketball they don't watch anything but they especially my brother-in-law he is super into the olympics whenever the olympics are on he's watching the summer and the winter olympics all the time love to keep talking about this and we will but for right now we got the big splash. We play it every day. Today's no different. Let's go ahead and punch up the big splash. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The big splash. Not a great day for Tiger Woods. He shot a three over 75 in the second round of the British Open, finishing with a score of nine over 153 for the tournament. He was teary-eyed walking to the 18th hole. He said, I'm not retiring from the game, but I don't know if I will physically be able to play back here again when it comes back around. I'll be able to play future British Opens. Yes, but eight years time, I doubt if I'll be competitive at this level. Tiger Woods, a little bit of emotion following uh, his elimination from the British Open, which happens to uh, which happens to be at a certain location that he's going to miss. Stay tuned right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. B-F-F-T. Now, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Stephen Vaughn and Sean McPherson. This is the Bald, bald Face Truth. truth. Well, what's going on, Portland? I am Stephen Vaughn. I'm with Sean McPherson. We are filling in for John, who is recovering. I think we can all agree that golf takes it out of you, and you need a day off or two after golfing a lot. It was 18, 85 degrees. Yeah, 18 holes. I know I'm tired. I'm tired after those things. So, you know, good for John to get a day off today. Uh, he deserves it for sure. But uh, so myself and Sean, we are coming here live from the PacWest Center, hosting the BFT for you. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Stephen underscore V-O-N. And uh, you can catch Sean on Twitter at SeanMack underscore 19. 
You can call us. Uh, we'll get you on the we'll get you on the program if you want to call in. 503-317-417. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said three. 503-417-7575 uh, here on the BFT. We will take your calls. We were just talking about the uh, the World Championships down in Eugene uh, and how that is going to be a big event. And we do have a call here. We're going to take a call. We're going to go out to Portland. Uh, let's get Tom from Portland on the phone. Tom, how's it going, man? Hey, guys. Uh, I listened to you earlier about the track and, you know, the seating capacity and, uh, you know, the, the uh, university spent a lot of money to get that thing up and running in the attempt to get the Worlds, which they did. But I, I think you failed to mention that was actually really built by Phil Knight. Mm-hmm. That was private money and donors of Phil Knight. So I, I don't believe the, or, the university had to do uh, had to put any money into it. Right. Is that, that correct? Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So that is definitely his palace with him being 80-some years old to follow the, the Matthew Knight arena that he built for his son, and then all the money he's dumped into the football program. Um, but uh, uh, I, th- I think the cost of the tickets is probably a factor. Uh, the engineering, the architecture failed to consider rain or sun, and now we're you know 80 degrees every day next week, and most of those seats are wide open, no roof cover. So if you're going to sit there all day, or you know, or even three or four hours, you're going to probably get your get your your head burned a little, don't you think? Yeah, yeah totally agree with that, Tom. Point. Thanks for thanks for calling in, Tom. Now I got one other point. Oh yeah, sure. The other thing is, the other thing is, yeah, I would go. I'm in Portland. I'd go drive down, but from what I've read, there's really no adequate adequate parking. It's not like going to a football game or whatever, and you know, you're out there two, three half a block, a block from the stadium. It's just going to be a mess because of the size of the community. There's no parking to make it easy to go to and from. Hey, no doubt, Tom. Thanks for calling in, man, and uh, thanks for listening. Okay, buddy. All right, buddy. No, Tom makes some good points there, uh, Sean. I mean, to go along with the fact that he was saying Phil Knight put all that money in, which is very true, uh, he did. It's kind of his baby, just like he did with a lot of the things at University of Oregon. I mean, I think... I think eventually it's just it's it's good to have that type of you know stadium on your campus in your town of Eugene because it you know it brings a lot of attention to Eugene and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a cool looking uh, stadium. Everyone knows that it's the hub of track and field now. It's in Eugene, Oregon, which I think before it was always Tracktown USA, but now it's like the hub. Like it is the place of track for track and field. So I think there's a lot of positives. But just like Tom said, you know. It's hard to get out there, right? And it's not the most, it's not the easiest trip. It's not the easiest way to find parking. As he said, the stadium isn't fully uh, covered with the sun. Like, it's, it's, there's a lot of problems that go into it. So I think if you're just a casual track and field fan, I think right now, especially during the summertime, especially for me, like, I would just rather just watch it at home. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. No, I, he's totally right about Phil Knight. It was a lot of Phil Knight's money for, uh, for building this track and field stadium. And the point still kind of stands, though. So I, I, you know, earlier in my point, I said, this is what it's all about. This is why the University of Oregon, which I was incorrect at the time, it was, it was largely Phil Knight who, who invested in this. Uh, but I basically said, you know, this is, this is, it's now or never for this investment. Like, we are about to see whether this was a good investment to pour all of this money into this track and field stadium. They did that, they being Phil Knight and a couple other donors, for this very purpose, July 15th to 
July 24th, 2022. So I'm just, I'm fascinated to see how it does. And, you know, I think, I think he makes a couple of good points if it were to not to do well, right? We've seen the U.S. championships not do well recently. And I think people were kind of, that was the appetizer. So the appetizer is not going to be as big as the entree. This is the entree. So I think, you know, that it makes sense why that didn't do as well. But, you know, uh, it's going to be very hot and lodging's going to be expensive. And I'm just curious to see if that if that stops people, you know, and if people don't end up going to this thing, I'll, I'll be curious to see as as to why, you know, and that's that's kind of why I, I welcome calls like that. You know, so Tom, Tom might not, not be interested because of the, the hot weather. And uh, again, Eugene's Eugene's a little bit isolated two hours down the road from Portland. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, on that, I want, I want to transition a little bit to another uh, global event here, golf, the Open Championship. Tiger Woods, uh, he did not make the cut today, and he was very emotional. Uh, there's been a lot of history at St. Andrews on hole 18 when you know you're done. You kind of you know tip your cap, and it's a little – you're looking around the whole, uh, the whole golf course. You're kind of taking it all in. And Tiger didn't quite do that, but he tipped his cap. He, you know, he was very emotional on the court. And afterwards, he was also very emotional uh, talking to the media. Uh, Tiger, Tiger has really turned a corner the last few years and become a little more human. So uh, this was Tiger Woods uh, when he spoke with the media after his uh, last round, possibly at St. Andrews. Again, anytime you get the chance to come back and play the old course um, in the open, um, it's just it's just special. It really is. And. As I uh, said to Tim, I've been lucky enough. I've been doing this since 1995, and uh, um, I, I don't know if I'll be physically able to, to play another British Open here at St. Andrews. I feel, certainly feel like I'll be able to play more British Opens, but I uh, don't know if I'll be able to around, you know, uh, when it comes back around here. So um, the warmth and the ovation on at 18, it, it, it got to me. Um, uh, and just to walk, you know, I, I felt the guys stop there off, off the tee at 18, and I, it, uh, it was just incredible. The just amount of understanding and respect um, from all, all the people that are involved in, in this event that, that come out and support it, uh, the players, uh, the nods I was getting as the players were going out. Um, I looked over there, and you know, Rory gave me a tip of the cap. JT did the same. Um, it, it just. It's just there's something to it that's just different. So Tiger was very emotional also. When he was walking around, he's wiping his face. You could tell in that interview he was, you know, it almost it, he wasn't crying, but he was kind of fighting back tears a little bit. I mean, this is a legend in the golf game, right? Like, I remember Tiger coming up. Uh, when he came up into golf, he, he turned pro in August of 96, and so I was nine years old. I didn't really know much about golf at all. I wasn't a big golf guy. And then he won the Masters in 97. And he won it by 12 strokes. And I remember that. Like, that was a really big deal when Tiger Woods won the Masters uh, at age 21. And he won it by 12 strokes. It was the talk of sports media. And he became just a global giant on such a big stage. So, for him, not to say that this is the end, Sean, but what it seems like it is, is he kind of knows that his days of winning golf are over. And a lot of it has to do with the car accident that he had that he's coming back from with his, you know, his legs were flattened and now it's mm-hmm. amazing that he's even on the course playing golf. I can't believe that he's doing it. Uh, you know, it, it just seemed emotional. It seemed like it was almost like he was trying to put a bow on it, especially just in the, at, at, uh, at St. Andrews in Scotland for the open championship. He was kind of putting a bow on it. Like this is probably the end for me. 
Uh, and it was really cool to see, I thought. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of entering the uh, I the mogul phase uh, of this all. You know, I'm not going to be playing much longer. And he's, he's letting us know uh, by actions like this. And I think a lot of this is, you know, nostalgia when it comes to the British Open. And the British Open, it rotates locations every year. And uh, it's probably going to be at least four years until... Um, it's going to be back at St. Andrews, this this old course at St. Andrews, which is kind of an iconic course for him. So so I understand um, the emotion. But let me throw this at you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. I think it's time, and this might be a hot take, I think it's time to focus on the golfers that are winning. Tiger Woods is an absolute legend. Tiger Woods is one of the best golfers this sport has ever seen. But that's all I'm seeing content-wise from this tournament today. I don't see a lot of content about Rory McIlroy. I don't see a lot of content about Cam Smith, who's minus 13. I'm not seeing a whole lot on Scotty Scheffler, who's had an unbelievable year. You know, when Michael Jordan retired, he's a legend. We still talk about Michael Jordan, but it was immediately on to LeBron James, on to Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal. When, you know, LeBron James is still playing right now, and he has been the best for a very long time, but at the same time, the NBA does a very fine job marketing Steph Curry, marketing Giannis, marketing... Um, Jokic, Luka, I think that's what golf needs to do as well. I think, you know, we we put too much stock into a guy who's just not playing good golf anymore. Same with Phil Mickelson. It's a lot of Phil Mickelson content. I think it's time for us to focus on some of the guys that are uh, that are on the come up in this sport. What the do you thing, think? The thing about Tiger is he was the one that got all the money in, right? All these guys are making a lot of money because of Tiger Woods. That's when all the money started rolling in, when he started turning pro and he started winning tournaments, getting endorsements with all these all these uh, companies and things like that with Nike. And when you think of golf, you think of Tiger Woods. So you talked about Michael Jordan retiring. Like, this is Michael Jordan retiring once again, right? We still talk about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is still relevant in today's you know, today's world, just with all the Jordan clothes, and he owns a team. That's the thing. With, same thing with Tiger. Like, he should be relevant because he is the face of golf, for especially people like my age. I'm 35 years old. Like, he's the guy that I watched growing up and dominate the sport. I mean, mm-hmm. golf is such a weird sport where it seems like you shouldn't be able to dominate tournament after tournament, but Tiger did, and that was the way it was, and he just did it. So I think it's well-deserved, but it seemed like to me Tiger always came off as kind of like a robot, like an alien. Like, I'm so good at golf, but I wasn't very personable. I was all focused on golf, 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 where now it seems like, you know, I'm showing a little emotion. Now I'm getting older. I know that I'm not as good at it anymore anymore. And when he won that last Masters, there were people crying. Or I think it was the USO, but people were crying, like, watching him do this. Like, he has such an emotional attachment to people. So I just thought it was cool uh, that Tiger was showing a lot of emotions today. Like, almost kind of saying how you're talking about, like, this is over. Like, I'm, I shouldn't be the focal point anymore. It should go into other people. But the problem is, is people are so attached to this guy and grew up with him. that They're just never going to forget it. Yeah, I just think we've been in this phase for a while with Tiger. It's been a while, and I... I have full compassion for the um, for the car accident that led to his uh, his brutal leg injury, but I feel like he hasn't been a good golfer for a very long time, and yet he continues to be the biggest name in the sport. And most of the golf golf content as a casual golf fan that I consume, you know, from major platforms, it seems to be focused on Tiger and some of his shortcomings at some of these tournaments. And maybe the problem is we just don't have a new, new superstar. Like, it seems like, you know, Scotty Scheffler won the Masters, and I haven't really seen him win uh, win big since. He's currently tied for sixth in this tournament. He's awfully consistent, but 
we don't really have a guy who's winning at all these tournaments. Like uh, Cam Smith, you know, he did really well at the Masters. I think he got third or fourth. Um, but he uh, he hasn't been. He's still looking for his big his big win. Like we don't really, you know, Rory's always in the mix, but he doesn't. He, you know, he's not winning all of these. We don't really have a young superstar, and so I think maybe we're we're waiting for the next superstar. My point kind of is like, you know, Tom Brady's still in the NFL, and Tom Brady is the goat of the sport. Most people agree with that. But the NFL does a great job marketing Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson and all of the young quarterbacks that it has. And I think golf needs to do a better job of that. 503-417-7575 is the phone number if you want to call and we can get you on the air here. 503-417-7575. With that, we're going to take a break here uh, on the BFT. And when we come back, I got some, uh, well, I want to talk some more Blazers. The Blazers are really fascinating to me, Sean. And I have a couple takes about the Blazers where I think that they are not as good as a lot of people are making it out to be. This is the BFT on 750 The Game. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, Sean, I got some good news for you. Ready for this? Ready for this good news? The Utah Jazz, they were 2-1 and one in Summer League, and they just lost, so they're out. That's one team that the Blazers can't get past by now. There you go. And I know you got a Summer League ticket for the Blazers. I do. You, that that exists. You should be more happy. That exists. One more so, team gone. Yeah, walk us through it. So how, how likely it is, you know, on a scale of 0 to 100%, how likely is it that the Blazers are in the Summer League championship? I mean, I wouldn't say it's a good opportunity uh, I, I, not, I can't put a number on it I'm not that good at gambling but uh, they are in third place right now so I think it's pretty good above your head right now is the two most entertaining teams for me in summer league the Thunder and the Warriors are, are playing right now man that both those teams have some, some awesome young talent and yet the Warriors just won the NBA championship and yet there's like three guys on their summer league team maybe four if you count Mac McClung, that I'm uh love I love watching and I'm super well, excited about. Mac, I don't count Mac McClung, but uh just in case you were wondering, the the Thunder do have a still have a chance to make the finals. They uh but their point differential is not great. It's only two point three. So the Thunder would have to beat the Warriors by twenty six to tie the Blazers, or if they win by twenty seven, they pass the Blazers. So as a Blazer fan, Sean, you need to uh root for the Thunder to only win by twenty five. Yeah, I'm confident in that one. Yeah, I'm I confident. think you'll be okay on that one. Uh, but let's. I want to talk about the summer league a little bit. You know, Jabari Walker, I think, is the real highlight of summer league so far. We were all hoping it'd be Shane Sharp, but it's Jabari Walker who is the son of Samaki Walker, and he signed a contract to fill out the roster at 15. Now, Sean, what are the Blazers going to do at backup center? That was my first question when they did this. Right. They're at 15 players on the roster. Are they going to make a trade, or are they going to roll with Drew Eubanks? Are they going to roll with Trenton Watford as a small ball five? What is the solution? Because I like Drew Eubanks. I don't like him as your backup center night in and night out. He's too much like Yusuf Nurkic, where Eubanks I know is a little more athletic than Nurk, but he doesn't have that many skill. Like he's just not a very good. He's a he's not a good NBA player, right? He's he's okay. He's not an everyday backup. They need someone better. They need a really good athlete that can back up Nurk and play against different lineups than Nurk. Because if let's just say this happens again. And it's happened the past few years. Nurt goes down with injury. It wouldn't be surprising. Are the Blazers going to start Drew Eubanks every night? If they do, 
you can't expect the Blazers to be a good team if that happens. Regarding your first point, Jabari Walker has been awesome. Awesome. He he deserves deserves a spot on the roster. Well, yeah, I think he deserves a spot on the roster. Summer league is summer league. He's proven that he can play in the NBA, whether it is just as a backup that never actually gets rotation minutes. He proves he at least deserves a chance to get a look at it. I think the Blazers, and it makes sense because they have Mike Schmitz, who... You know, I I think very highly of as a draft expert, and the, you know they pry him from ESPN. His job was to cover all of these guys and uh, make his rankings. So the Blazers, I think they found a gem in Jabari Walker at pick fifty-seven. Does that mean they have their starting three for the next decade? I don't know, but I think he's a bench piece that might see the court a little bit this year. And he he's embracing being a role guy in his career. His dad was a role guy, and you know he's shared some. He's killed it in the media game too. Like he's had some great quotes that that make you think even higher of him than what he's been on the court. Um, and I think he's deserving of a roster spot. When it comes to the roster being completely full, I'm I'm terrified because right now the team's bigs are Yusuf Nurkic, great, Trendon Watford. And Drew Eubanks. So I don't know if Trendon Watford is expecting to play the five, but if that's the case, then good luck to Portland. Because what is what's Trend, Trendon Watford's height? Six eight, six nine. Yeah. So man, this um, I want to say you know it's not done. Like the off season's not done, and it's only July right now. The season starts in October. But if your roster's full, then what's the move? Like, do we expect to trade? So you know, it's it's two thoughts. Like it's either. This team's going to roll with this roster to start the year. Maybe as the season goes on, you know, you make a move before the trade deadline, but then you're going into the season with Drew Eubanks. So if you don't expect that to happen, then you expect a trade to happen. And who are the team's most tradable pieces at this point? Because Dame just signed a big extension. He's not getting traded. No. We know that. Yusuf Nurkic and Anthony Simons not can't traded. get traded. Gary Payton the second can't get traded. All of them just signed contracts. It really leaves when it comes to valuable pieces. Shaden Sharp, Josh Hart. I think that's about it. Nasir Little. I, I don't think Nas has that much value on the open market. I don't think so either. Again, I think just like Nurk. Means more to Portland than yeah, other teams. He's been hurt a lot of his career. You can't rely on him. Um, Shaden Sharp, you're not going to trade him unless you get a superstar back in return, right? Like he has too much potential. You're not going to trade him for a yeah, guy. Yeah, I like think Jeremy his value is probably pretty low right now after that shoulder injury. You yeah, know? maybe we don't know, but and I think you're right. It's Josh Hart, and that's about it. It's Josh Hart, and then you know they they didn't use the Eric Bledsoe piece, right? So right. they just kind of they cut ties with him. He was a potential expiring contract that could have been used, and instead uh, they chose not to you know use that as an asset. Maybe they they fished him around a little bit, and no one. No one bit, but the point is, I mean, Josh Hart, like, I joked about it on Twitter. The Blazers took a team photo at Summer League, and it was it was all of their core. It was all the guys. Josh Hart wasn't in the photo, and I, you know, I jokingly used the Brian Windhorst meme, like, what's going on in Portland? Where's Josh Hart in this photo? But part of me thinks, you know, and I, I know Peter Sampson, one of our coworkers, host of the Pulse, he, he feels pretty strongly that Josh Hart is not going to be a member of this team because... The team's got, uh, you know, uh, especially talking about Jabari Walker, Trent, and Watford, it has a steady dose of forwards. This team does not have bigs, and this team would get pushed around with the amount of talent, especially in the Western Conference. Jokic, Aiton, now Gobert. Like, well, Gobert went from west to west, but there, <laughs> the team would get pushed around. There's too many talented seven-footers in this league the Blazers would uh, lose a lot of games with the roster they have right now solely because of the center position.
503-417-7575. would love to hear you guys' opinion on the Portland Trailblazers this year. 503-417-7575. You can catch me on Twitter at Stephen underscore VON. You can catch Sean on Twitter. He's over there at Sean Mack underscore 19. And you touched on a good point about the other centers in the league. And it's not even that it's the other centers. It's just that the Blazers' lack of centers. Because Yusuf Nurkic, when he's healthy, before the leg injury, was awesome. And I have said to people I thought he was a top 25 player in the NBA when he went down with his leg injury. And I'm not I'm not joking. I'm not over-exaggerating. I thought he was that good of a basketball player. That's how well he was playing. He just has never been the same ever since that leg injury. And that's understandable. But now he's been injury-prone the rest of his career. And so you can't rely on him for 82 games. You can't rely on him for 70 games. And so to have no backup for Yusuf Nurkic besides Drew Eubanks I think is a mistake. Now, it also is a mistake because... Let's just say Yusuf Nurkic gets in foul trouble. What are the Blazers going to do that? It's Drew Eubanks, but if it, I think it's going to be a lot of they're going to go small, and they're going to have Jeremy Grant almost as your de facto five. And they're going to go ultra small, whether it's uh, Damon Ant with GP2 in the backcourt, and then you got uh, Justice Winslow and Jeremy Grant. I think there's going to be a de facto another small team with the Blazers. And it, at least uh, and it's just... It's disappointing because we've seen what happens when the Blazers go ultra small and it just doesn't work. And so my fear right now is the Blazers roster, to me, is not even close to perfect by any stretch, just by position-wise, but there's no room to change it. Like, this is the roster they're going to go with, and I just don't like the direction they're in. Well, it's the roster they're going to go with unless they make a trade, right? But as of right now, they they can't add anyone without getting rid of someone, right? So... It is it is concerning, and you make a great point on on the small ball thing because Jeremy Grant, I've heard Chauncey Billups and Joe Cronin talk about. Hey, you know Jeremy Grant can play small ball five. Like we know that's what the NBA is now. Like he's one of those guys, similar to a Draymond Green that can defend. He can do a little bit of everything, right? He can he can move the ball. He can he can rebound if he needs to. And he can defend all all positions. I'm not sure I buy that, right? I don't think that highly of Jeremy Grant as a defender, but they have said that in press conferences that they they are looking to use him as a small ball five. So who's the true backup five? Is it Jeremy Grant or is it Drew Eubanks? I think it's um, Eubanks. You think it's Eubanks? Yeah. So I, I I agree because I think either way they're going to get toasted quite a bit. Like even the backup bigs in this league are they're they're impressive, right? And it's just going to be impossible. Like Yusuf Nurkic will be able to hold his own. We know he can, but you can't stagger Yusuf Nurkic all the time. Like if the Blazers go into the season with this roster, eventually they're going to run into a situation where Drew Eubanks is guarding Nikola Jokic or starting because Jok- uh, because Nurkic is hurt. But if Drew Eubanks is even a position, let's say Nurkic is is out there, and Drew Eubanks will still run into a, a position being a rotational guy, which I don't believe he is in this league right now. And he'll still, like, he's going to run into situations where, oh, Rudy Gobert is guarding me. Uh, well, best of luck to Drew Eubanks and best of luck to the Blazers if that happens. Now, the question is, Stephen, the Blazers used their mid-level on Gary Payton II, which I personally enjoyed. I think that's the ideal backcourt partner with someone like Damian Lillard. And I think, you know, to have Anthony Simons, who's kind of like a, a lesser dame, uh, you know, have... Gary Payton will fit in very nicely with those two guys. Should they have used their mid-level on a Bobby Portis, a, a Mo Bamba, uh, Nerlens Noel could have been, you know, he was being shopped around. Someone like that, would that have been the better move? And then Gary Payton II's not on the roster. 
I, I, I agree with you. I like Gary Payton the second. I like his game just because he is a really good defensive-minded player. Some players just haven't had. And on the Warriors last season, he was their best perimeter defender, and they won the world championship. So you can't deny. Wiggins, but yeah. Maybe. Can't deny how good he was last season. And just to get that kind of guy here in Portland, I think is great. Now, I would love for him to be six foot seven. I would love for him to be six foot eight, but he's six foot three and he's 29 years old. This is his first real contract he's ever gotten. He's bounced around the league. So it was it a, was it a one year fl- uh, fluke or was it, you know, he's figured it out how to stay in this league. It's still a lot of questions for me. Uh, you know, I think he's going to play a very important role. I think he's going to come in and play a lot of the end of ball games with Dame and Ant. And you're just going to go really small in the backcourt because they need that one guy to be able to play defense on the perimeter. Uh, they got guys that can guard the wings. Josh Hart, Jimmy Grant, they can step up and they can guard guys like Justice Winslow as well. I think those are going to be your wing defenders. If there's a good guard, I think Gary Payton's got to be on the court. You can't let Damon Ant be your primary defenders on really good elite point guards in the NBA. It's just not going to work. We've seen it happen with Dame, and it's just bad news written all over it. But I want to play a game with you, Sean, real quick. All right, so the Blazers, let's just say the Blazers don't make any more moves. This is the roster that they have. Uh, the West is loaded. I got the Blazers at 10th in the Western Conference, so I'm going to name off the teams I have in front of the Blazers. You're going to tell me if the Blazers are better than this team or not, all right? Okay. All right, Golden State. No. Uh, Phoenix. No. Memphis. No. The Clippers. No. Dallas. Dallas, Dallas hasn't as as an amazing offseason as as people hope. Like they, they lost Wood. Brunson, they had Christian Wood. So how good is Dallas? I feel like they haven't done enough. Well, they got Luka Doncic. Who they have Luka Doncic. That that gives them the nod. I he, think Doncic is better than than Dame right now. Um, I I think Dallas is slightly ahead, but Dallas is down there in my opinion. I don't think they've done that much. I think Dallas is much better. I think Luka's the second best player in the league. Uh, we're gonna move on. Denver. Yeah, Denver is better. Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Pelicans. Yep. They're, Zion those returning. teams are better, yeah. And well, the, that's a big question mark, by the way. But I think it's pretty even if Zion isn't there. And if Zion is there, they're definitely better. Yes, I, I agree with that. The Lakers. Lakers are, are pretty bad, man. The they Lakers are pretty bad. They have two top guys of all time. They have, they have two Coming off a know, terrible top season. 10 guys, right? They have two top 10 guys that play really well together. They won a title together. You know, and and both of them are going to be hungry this year. Anthony Davis coming off of an injury-ridden year. LeBron, you know what LeBron's going to do. But the roster other than that, man, Russell Westbrook and Lonnie Walker and uh, Thomas Bryant. And, man, I just really really think they've had one of the worst uh, off-seasons over the last two years, like they have really just shot their entire roster. All the nice things that they had, they gave away Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, all of those pieces gone. Uh, so I think a long witted answer. I think, you know, with Anthony Davis and LeBron, I'd still give the Lakers the edge. So but I just named much. off those nine teams and you really argued maybe two of them that you could say the Blazers were maybe ahead of them. You could maybe even argue a team like the Nuggets, if they don't stay healthy again, could the Blazers be better than them? Probably not because they weren't last season with Jokic. The Clippers, same thing. Could the Blazers be better than the Clippers? I mean, maybe if everyone still doesn't come back healthy. But I think that's how tough the Western Conference is. Well, let's, I, I think right now the Blazers, I got them at 10th. And I think best-case scenario, their ceiling is about 7th. Let's think about the positives. The teams below Portland are definitively below Portland. Houston, San Antonio, Utah, once they trade Mitchell pretty soon here. And then you're going to have to help me out here. The Thunder, Kings and the Thunder. Thunder and the Kings. 
the Kings, the Kings have a decent roster. Like they're trying to they're win. They're going for it. I still like Portland more. And then the other bright side is like their teams are going to get injured, you know, and it might not be Portland, but you never know who's going to hurt, like get hurt. Kawhi might not be healthy. Uh, you know, Jamal Murray's coming off of an injury. There might be a new injury, right? So teams are going to get injured. It happens every year. And in that case, Portland can slide up a couple of spots, or maybe this team is just they're going to gel really well, and Dame's going to play at an MVP level. And then there were a couple in there. If Portland is the very best that they can possibly be, I think they can be better than Dallas. I think they can be better than Memphis without Jaron Jackson, who's currently injured, and he's going to miss the beginning of the season. They were the I think seed. you know if Denver's not as yeah, I know, I know, but they're I think you and know they're all young. Look, the the Warriors are better than Portland without like no matter what happens. The Suns, I would say so too. They're running it back, although Chris Paul is getting very old. I think that the Clippers are better than Portland no matter what happens, and Minnesota. I, I'm I'm high on Minnesota at this point. Other than that, like I, I think Portland can be considered in the same neighborhood relatively if things happen. So it, it's not the end of the world. Like if Portland's in the if they're the sixth seed next year, I'm not surprised. Right. I'd be ecstatic. I think that'd be a great season. Right. And I'm just hoping, like, you know, wins and losses aside, I'm hoping we see something special next year. Like maybe maybe Anthony Simons is is making a bid for most improved player. Maybe Dame's making a run at the MVP. Maybe Nurkic just looks awesome. Maybe Shaden Sharp comes like, you know, he he plays really well and you know, suddenly he's one of the best rookies. I just hope we see some kind of storyline like that that we can cling on to. I hope so, too. I, I'm not as optimistic as you are, but uh, it should be an interesting, interesting season, nonetheless, for the Portland Trailblazers. 503-417-7575. If you want to uh, jump in, we can take your opinion on anything. Blazers, World Track Championships, anything like that. We'll talk about it. Uh, but we're going to take a break here on the BFT. Coming up next, uh, You know, I don't know if you noticed this, Sean, but the Mariners are really good right now. And I've joined their bandwagon. So I want to talk about a little bit of the Mariners. But first, we're going to have an update for myself. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. This is the Bald Face Truth on 750 The Game. I am not John Canzano. I am Stephen Vaughn. I'm with my man, Sean McPherson. We are filling in for John as he takes the day off today. 503-417-7575 is the phone number if you want to call and we get you up here. 503-417-7575. You can catch me on Twitter at Steven underscore VON. You can catch Sean on Twitter uh, at Sean Mac underscore 19. And Sean, uh, I want to talk about the Mariners. I talked about this a little bit on the Pulse last night. I feel blessed because I don't have a favorite team. I I like the Blazers, but I'm not emotionally attached to them because I worked for them and I got laid off by them. So I always am going to hold a grudge against them. I went to Concordia University and Clackamas Community College, so I don't have like a team, a college team. You went to Oregon, you love the Ducks. A lot of people around here went to Oregon State, they love the Beavs. I don't have that kind of emotional attachment. There's no pro baseball team in Portland, so I don't have an attachment there. Same thing with football. Like I, I, the Seahawks, they're fine, whatever. I don't have an emotional attachment with everybody. So. It's mostly who I bet on is what I'm going to cheer for. But I find myself watching baseball a lot more, and I'm watching the Mariners. I really like it, and I want the Mariners to do well. I really think it would be so awesome at T-Mobile Park to have a playoff game there or just the Mariners be on the road and play in a wild card game just to see that happen because the Mariners haven't made the playoffs since 2001 when they won 116 games, and I still remember that. 
Ichiro wins the MVP. You know, Mike Cameron was awesome. Brett Boone was great. Uh, John Oldred over there at first base wearing his helmet. It was a good time for the Mariners, and I, I want that back. I want to watch some postseason baseball. Like you said, the World Series is great to watch. Postseason baseball is awesome to watch. So I have officially put my name on the Mariners bandwagon, and I'm all in. And I know I'm going to get hurt because this is what happens with the Mariners is they lose, and they lose badly, and then they don't make the playoffs. But am I okay for doing this? Am I a bad fan? Should I not be doing this? Should I just choose a team at all times? Or is this okay what I'm doing? I think it's totally fine to jump on a team whenever you want. Like if I decide I'm getting into EPL soccer and I decide, all right, I'm a, I'm a Arsenal fan. That's completely fine. However, here's my drawback. Don't buy them at the time when the stock is the highest. Like, don't am. decide on the 10-game win streak. Okay, I'm a Mariners fan. I get it. They, With a little bit of context, it makes sense, right? They're on a 10-game winning streak. They haven't made the playoffs, right? What's the playoff draft? Do you know the 2001. number? 2001. 2001. So it makes sense. Like, you're you're rooting for this, right? You're a Northwest guy, and maybe you weren't the biggest Mariners fan before, but... Now they have some life, and and you're hoping that they they can complete this thing and make it to the playoffs. I know they were super close last year, but in most cases, so I'm going to give you a pass here. But in most cases, like if someone decides, oh, I'm a I'm a Warriors fan right after they win the NBA Finals, that's that's not cool, right? right. Like be a Warriors fan, you know, even starting next season. Like you know, choose choose it at a choose it at a time when the stock's a little bit lower. Like don't choose it, don't decide that you are a uh, a Wolves fan right after they trade for Rudy Gobert or, you know, just like a, a Buccaneers fan right after Tom Brady. Like my point is I'm fine with people deciding they're a new team. Like, Oh, since, since when are you a fan of this team? Like, that's fine. Like you can, people have rights to be a fan of whoever they want. But when I have a problem with it is when people choose it, when uh, the stock's highest and when something, something big happens to that team. Well, good thing that Mariners, have never won a World Series or been to a World Series, so I'm not jumping on at the very highest. I mean, I'm jumping on right now, but they're fun to watch. Like, Julio Rodriguez is an all-star this season. He deserves it. He's been really good. Uh, at the start of the year, he struggled, but he was 21 years old. First Major League experience, he struggled. Now he is just on fire. He looks like he could be a potential MVP type of candidate guy. Uh, Ty France has been awesome for the Mariners. The pitchy has come around. It's the young pitchy. Logan Gilbert has been an ace this year. So it's not just that the Mariners... You know, went out and bought these guys. They they really made some smart moves. They traded for some guys. They developed their young players, which is a, which is really cool, right? Like that's the way you want your teams to compete and win championships. That's why the Warriors are kind of I respect them. I always have. You know, they drafted Steph Curry, they drafted Klay Thompson, they drafted Draymond. That's kind of what the Mariners are doing, right? Mm-hmm. They they've developed their young guys in the farm system. So I'm just I, you know I'm not all in on the Mariners. I love the Mariners now. I'm on their bandwagon and I'm willing to jump off at any point because I know it's going to go bad at some point. But right now, Sean, I, I'm in on the Mariners and I'm glad that you gave me the okay because I was a little worried about it. All you, man. All you. Look, I mean, the, what the Mariners are trying to do right now would really, I mean, and it's weird because Portland and Seattle are usually rivals, right? Well, like really, if Seattle, yeah. if Portland had an NFL team, the two would hate each other. If if People hate each other anyway. Seattle, Seattle had an NBA team, the two would hate each other. But since Portland doesn't have an NFL team, a lot of people cling on to the Mariners. And since, 
you know, maybe a lot of people in Seattle root for the Blazers. So it, it's weird how that is, right? And so oh, there's a lot of Mariner fans in this area. Or maybe there's some people in this area that hate the Mariners because that that rivalry, there's, there's a lot of uh, there's semantics involved in that rivalry. It's like, wait, I, I would hate the Mariners if Portland had an MLB team. So uh, the point being, like, I think there's a lot of people in Portland, weirdly enough, that are are behind the Mariners, right? Like we were with Jim Ferretti yesterday, or I was with Jim Ferretti, and uh, we were talking to him about, you know, he's a diehard Mariners fan in Portland, and I think it would be big for the Northwest. And you know, we don't want we don't want our Northwest team, like the team that's closest to us here in Portland, to be the the laughing stock, the punchline of the league. And that's right. Happen? Like right now, like if you compare it to other sports, they're they're kind of the kings. They're they're kind of the Cleveland Browns a little bit with that big playoff drought. Like those are the teams with the playoff droughts, uh, not the Browns anymore, but. Uh, anyways, you know, they're kind of the laughing stock of the NFL. So I'm with you. I'm not a Mariners fan. I'm not fully jumping on the bandwagon, but I, I here's to hoping that they can they can pull through this year. That's that's a storyline I'll be I'll be rooting for to happen. Well I'm excited in a couple of months when you do fully jump on board. So, you know, we can talk Mariners. Uh, I need to fully jump on board to the sport first. Well, you don't have to. This is the jumping off point. Is jump on the Mariners bandwagon, just dip your toe in a little bit, find out if you like it, if the Mariners start winning, well then you know what? Mariner fan for life. Yeah. Soto Mojo. Give me a team to root for this October. King Griffey Jr. Get you a jersey a Griffey jersey. Jay yeah. Junior. Yeah. That would be what's the what's the most popular Mariners jersey, you think? Is it a current player? Is it Ichiro? Is it Ken Griffey? Is it I mean it's gotta be either Griffey or Julio Rodriguez right now. Okay. I mean, because Julio is gonna win the rookie of the year. That's how good he's been all season. I know that you That's yeah, the way I, to do it. Like in any sport, that's the way to do it. You you you're the smart team that drafts really well. You don't want to be the team that signs that big free agent, that super team, that Miami yeah. Heat squad that I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, I mean, sure. Like, but it's not, it's more fun to be to be like the Warriors or like um I don't know what the NFL comparison, the Chiefs. You know, they they found Patrick Mahomes, like they believed in him, right? I I disagree with you. You know what I think would be more fun to, to win a championship. Yeah, you don't want to be the hated team. I don't, I don't care if the if the Blazers could win a championship, I would take it. Sure. However, it is. Yeah. Bring I Kevin Durant here. I agree with that. Well, sure. You just, you just said that you did it. Yeah, but I would rather them be okay. be the smart team that that drafts Damian Lillard, and what? then it would have been nice if they drafted a couple more, you know, stars that could have really that would have really lifted up the team and. No, I think any championship would be really sweet, but I if you gave me a preference then it would be to be that team that drafted really well and was smarter than everyone else rather than being the team that made that big trade for the superstar, right? Yeah, the pr- the problem sentence you said was Blazers and smart management. That's uh, Yeah, that's that's, a, that's an oxymoron. Yeah, that's, uh, that's just not going to happen. Uh, 503-417-7575 is the number. We're going to take a break here, uh, right here, BFT on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Back here on the BFT, I'm Stephen Vaughn. You can catch me at Stephen underscore VON. I'm with Sean McPherson as well. You can catch him at Sean Mac underscore 19. 503-417-7575 is the phone number if you want to call and we'll get you on the air. Talk about anything going on in sports or the world or anything. But, Sean, I talked about uh, the Mariners maybe making the playoffs and how cool that would be. It brought up a thought to me. 
what what is the coolest sporting event that you've ever been to in person? Uh, coolest. Or the That's, most memorable or anything, just any type of event. It's going to gonna, it's gonna be a college football game, and I'm deciding which one it is. Yeah. Because in the past couple of seasons, I was at Oregon's Rose Bowl game against Wisconsin, and I was actually covering that for the student radio station. And then I uh, Ohio State this year, I, was, I made it to the shoe, Oregon versus Ohio State. How was that? That was fantastic. Got to broadcast that for the uh, student radio station. And, uh, man, just like before that game, texting my buddies and we learned that Kayvon Thibodeau was not playing mm-hmm. that Justin Flo who's their star linebacker hopefully he's healthy this year but he had just suffered this the surprise season ending injury right and man I think there was a couple other injuries too and so the team was depleted Ohio State had all the talent obviously um although it was early in the season that team was still coming together with their new quarterback anyways I text my buddies you know, bet the house against Oregon. Like bet, you know, I think it was like Ohio State minus fourteen. Yeah. I I thought I was due for a blowout, and instead, Oregon just throughout the game just made big, big plays and always delivered at the right times. And their defense was was stout, and so they ended up winning that game. So I think that's my favorite sporting event I've ever been to. And the Rose Bowl might be kind of the the biggest, biggest, like most significant event event I've been to. Yeah, I mean, Oregon stopped Ohio State. From the get-go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Ohio surprising. State, right. They ended up winning it by one touchdown, but Oregon was the dominant team in that game. Right? Definitely. Yeah, I, I, it, it's just, uh, do you have any events that you want to go to, whether it's like an Olympics or, uh, you know, something else that you haven't been to? If, ironically enough, I want to go back to a Rose Bowl. I want to bring more people. My experience at the Rose Bowl was so positive that I, I was telling my dad and my brother, like, next Rose Bowl, I don't even care if the Ducks are playing. Like, we are going. But, man, this oh, is not even a sad thought. No, like, I would go to the Rose Bowl no matter what. It's just what it's, it's so piece? awesome there. No, man, but this is sad because the Rose Bowl might not even be a thing. I mean, you, you've heard John talk about it for weeks and just what's happening with conference realignment and – um, that's a whole another another topic. So I'm um, here's to hoping that the Rose Bowl will continue to be an, an event that's played every January first. But other events I'm trying to go to that is I really want to make it out to the World Championships, and you know I'm hoping hoping that I uh, I pull the trigger on a ticket. I think I guess we'll that, start a GoFundMe for you. Yeah, might have to, might have to. Um, other than that, I would love to make it to an NBA playoff game. Not sure I've been to a playoff game, just regular season games. So hopefully the Blazers make the playoffs this upcoming year or, you know, maybe another team. And I, I just want to make an NFL game. Like, how many NFL games have you been to? I've been to quite a few. I've been to a handful. Okay. I've only been to Seahawks home yeah. games. That's the only NFL stadium I've made it made it to. So I would love to go to another NFL venue, especially one of the iconic ones. Like, if I could ever go to Lambeau or... Uh, you know, even like a Niners game would be a lot of fun. The new SoFi Stadium, go see Herbert play, go see Stafford, um, Mile High. So uh, a long, long list uh, of events I want to go to. I want to go to those before I look at, oh, World Cup. Oh, you know, I want to go to Wimbledon. Like that's Gonzano. That's what Gonzano wants to go to. But he's been to everything I just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. My dad's been to Lambo. He said it was awesome. I've been to a few. I've been to two Blazer playoff games. Uh, one against the Nuggets when... Uh, the year they went to the Western Conference Finals, I went to Game Four at Moda Center. That was really fun. Uh, but I haven't really been to a lot of events. The one event I always want to go to, and I always think it'd be really cool, especially during college football season, is uh, going to Baton Rouge and LSU for a night oh, game. Maybe against Bama. Yeah, I mean, hopefully against Bama. I think I just think that atmosphere is always one of the best 
in college football is a night game in Baton Rouge at Death Valley for LSU. I think yeah. that'd be so awesome. Oh, or a Penn State whiteout. I don't that, want to go to Penn State. You don't want to go to Penn State. Man. I think I always see that as kind of the icon, one of the iconic night venues. I, I just, of Penn I can't. State I don't. Game. I don't like Penn State. Just and, but you, you do know, like LSU. I do like LSU. I think they're kind of cool. But I Penn State. I just more for moral reasons. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Um. I. I just think that if you're if you're talking college football, it's got to be against a good opponent because there's a big difference in a night game when you're talking about LSU versus Bama. Versus LSU versus Mississippi State. Misses, well, even like yeah, I was gonna say some non-conference team like Chattanooga. Like and you know, Chat. It's LSU versus Chattanooga week two, and suddenly the the stands are half full. So you got to pick and choose which which big time college football game you want to go to. It better be big time. Yeah, definitely. Give me LSU Alabama. That would be so cool. Uh, but with that, we are gonna take a break because we're gonna head into hour three. We got the five and five. Coming up next, I know we got a lot of stories today, Sean. We have too many stories, in fact. Yeah, man. I think I like we could have done an 8 and 8 today, but no, we're only going to do the 5 and 5. Uh, that's coming up next. 503-417-7575 is the number. 503-417-7575 is the number. You can catch me at Steven underscore VUN. You can catch Sean at Sean Mac underscore 19. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to take a break. 5 and 5. You're listening to the BFT statewide. <laughs> B-F-F-T. Now, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Stephen Vaughn and Sean McPherson. This is the Bald-Faced bald truth. truth. Two hours flown by so far on the Bald-Faced Truth. Man, three hours of radio is exhausting. I don't know how John does this every single day. We got four hours today. We have four hours, right. But I'm saying a three-hour show, five days a week. I know John gets guests. That's something we didn't have to our luxury today. We tried. We tried. <laughs> That's right. That's right. People are busy right now. But three hours, man, that is a uh, it's a long show. Back in college radio, if we did a three-hour show, it was some kind of special occasion, and we would be making up all sorts of segments. But instead, it's a daily occurrence once you get to the professional ranks. Yeah, I just went straight to the professional ranks. I didn't do college radio, so I don't know any different. Yeah. I'm just this, you know, wide-eyed 35-year-old just doing things. Well, it's just time. Just me in front of a mic and let me uh, just start talking. That's all exactly. I do. That's all, that's all radio is on the outside. It's a lot more than that once uh, <laughs> once you get in. But instead of uh, John and Anna handling your 5 at 5, Sean and Steven will handle the 5 at 5. Let's go ahead and punch it. The 5 at 5. Been talking about it throughout the show. The World Championships kicking off. It's been a long-awaited event. The biggest sporting event in the history of the state of Oregon. Athletes from all over the world will be gathering in Eugene, and hopefully fans from all over the world, at Hayward Field. And it begins today and will run for the next 10 days, July 15th to 24th. And tonight... The main event is going to be the final event today at 7.50. Allison Felix won last time. Now, she didn't qualify for the Open 400. She was in the final, didn't end up getting top three. They put her in the mixed 4x400 relay. So she's going to be competing with two other men and one other woman. And they are going to be the favorites 
in that race. It's going to be at 7.50. She's going for her 31st global medal, and this is her last race ever. So that one, you'll want to turn on the TV for that event, first night of the World Championships. What's number two? Well, Sean, I just want to have you reiterate how big of an event this actually is, like on a world global stage. Right, it's huge. I mean, this this is the gathering of the best in the world, right? So if this was... If this is, I mean, the World Championships, it's it's the Super Bowl, it's the, it, it's where crowns are, it's where championships, champions are crowned, I should say. So, it's the best you think the about best. that in other sports, it's the Super Bowl, or it's Wimbledon, or it's the World Series. Like, this is where the best of the best get crowned. So, more of an individual sport, but the point still stands. These are the best athletes in the world. And it is in Eugene, Oregon, which is pretty cool. Uh, number two, the Open Championship, I talked about this a little bit, but Tiger Woods did not make the cut. Uh, the leader is Cameron Smith. He is a 13 under par. He shot an eight under par today. Cameron Young, who was the round one leader, uh, went three under today. He is 11 under par. Rory McIlroy in third place at 10 under. Victor Hovland at 10 under as well. Dustin Johnson rounded up the top five. Live golfer Dustin Johnson at nine under par. The top five leaderboard looks pretty good. Um, from a golf perspective. And then you talk about Scotty Shuffler. He's in sixth place. Uh, Patrick, Patrick Cantlay is minus seven. Uh, so there's some really good players. Aaron Wise, uh, former Duck, is at five under par and tied for 18th place. Patrick Reed, uh, four under par. So, you know, there's some really good golfers towards the top of the leaderboard. This seems like this could turn out to be, hopefully, a very dramatic weekend uh, at the Open Championship. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens there there's a lot of parody in golf right now like i said it used to be tiger woods tiger woods phil mickle phil mickelson back to tiger woods right now it feels like it's been a lot of major tournaments lately and it's been the same or it's been different people uh you know at the, in the mix at the top some some usual people but been different a lot of different characters that are that are in the mix at the top of these tournaments we'll see how that one plays out number three in the five at five there's a looming NBA trade going on right now. And there's conversations being had between the Utah Jazz and the New York Knicks. And like a, a couple days ago, Sham Strania put it out there that they're very close to a deal for Donovan Mitchell. The New York Knicks want to acquire Donovan Mitchell. And now the report is, and reporting this is Tony Jones. He's a beat writer for the Utah Jazz from The Athletic. The Jazz and Knicks deal was close on Tuesday night, but the Knicks ended up declining. The Jazz reportedly wanted Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, Miles McBride, and six first-round picks. So they basically wanted every good young player from the Knicks besides R.J. Barrett. Miles McBride and Quentin Grimes have been dominating in the NBA Summer League, plus six first-round picks. Danny Ainge is... uh, out of his mind a little bit. He uh, he's trying really hard to try to f- try to uh, dominate another team. Well, he saved the game. I mean, the, the Rudy Gobert trade was monumental because it was always if you're trading for a superstar at max, it was about three first round picks. Like that was kind of the asking price. But he got the Timberwolves to bite, and he got uh, five first round mm-hmm. picks. Which you know includes Walker, which includes Walker Kessler, who was a first round pick in this past draft. So if you're now, if you're Danny Ainge and you have Donovan Mitchell, who is better, he's probably a better player than Rudy Gobert. More important, both of them are like 
stars. Yes. Neither of them are superstars. They're both all-star caliber players, both really good. Donovan Mitchell, 25 years old as a guard. Like, he has some incredible playoff numbers. I mean, the, the starting point is six first-round picks. Like, that is... That's crazy. That has he to really be changed the game, though. And I mean, really Danny did. Ainge is a great GM. He has some kind of strength when it comes to his bargaining power and the way he negotiates because... The, it was a complete heist what he got for Rudy Gobert, and now it's the standard. And that's why Kevin Durant probably won't get traded. Yeah, and it's, the interesting part also is going to be Danny Ainge wants to trade Donovan Mitchell to get those draft picks, but he doesn't have to, right? He's already traded Rudy Gobert. They already know the path that the Jazz are on, and that's the tank. The Knicks are the one in, this, in the driver's seat, like, we need to make this trade. They're going to have to give in. So Danny Ainge is probably going to sit back and say, you know what? If we have to, we'll just have Donovan Mitchell on our team for this year. Just play it out. So I, that's a weird spot, man. And Danny Ainge and the Jazz uh, look like it could be turned into the Thunder. Just yeah. gathering up draft picks. Good for them. Uh, number four is the Seattle Mariners. They have won 11 in a row, and they are now in the second wildcard spot in the American League. They are just having the first uh, second pitch of the game right now as I just flipped it on in the studio. So they are playing the uh, uh, Texas Rangers right now. Matt Bush is the opener for the Rangers. Robbie Ray on the mound for the Mariners. The 11-game win streak is the second longest in franchise history. The longest in club history is 15, and that was back in 2001 when the Mariners did make the playoffs, and they won 116 games the last time they did it. So uh, Mariners 11 in a row, looking for 12. They're pretty good-sized favorites today to win uh, on the road in Texas. So I'm just excited to see what happens with the Mariners, man. Like I said earlier, hopefully this team makes the playoffs and at least makes a run at the end of the season, gets some excitement going on at the Northwest versus baseball. Last story in the 5 at 5. There's a great Twitter th- thread uh, by a person named Sadiq Shaban. And there's this story out of the World Championships. Unfortunate, an unfortunate story for a lot of athletes right now. There's been some athletes from other countries struggling to get their visas. And they were kind of put against the clock a little bit. And now uh, some some aren't able to compete. But there's one story with a Kenyan sprinter, Ferdinand's. Amin Yala, and he received his visa yesterday. And instead of giving up and saying, that's not enough time to get from Kenya to Eugene, there's a Twitter thread that's been following his flights and his journey to Eugene. And so finally, after 24 hours of flying, Ferdinand Amin Yala has made it to Eugene, but he made it to Eugene two hours ahead of his race. So now he's rushing from the Eugene airport to wherever he's staying, or maybe he's going straight to the venue, but he will be competing tonight. That's another great storyline to follow tonight at the World Championships. Ferdinand Amanyala received his visa from yesterday, traveled Kenya to Eugene in 24 hours, and he's now rushing as we speak over to Hayward Field. The men's 100 meters prelims are at 650. 100 meter prelim. That's what he's in? Yes. How, uh, how, what is he expected to do? Is he expected to do well? That would require a little bit more research. I haven't heard of this particular athlete. I will say the Americans are dominant in the sprints. So this is a Kenyan athlete. I feel like I've heard the name before, but I'm going to do some research maybe during a break about how he's slated to do, but he's put in a little bit of a disadvantage now uh, of the amount he's been through. I mean, you think about the Americans. That's why a lot of the Americans, I'm sure, were trying to get this thing on U.S. soil. And they finally have it. And there's a lot of athletes that are from Eugene that will wake up in the morning and just walk over <laughs> to their home venue. Or there's athletes 
maybe from Seattle, maybe from L.A., who now have the advantage. Of, they're not the ones anymore that are traveling to Tokyo or, or Doha, where the last one is. So I, I think the Americans are going to do really well in these world championships. That's an awesome story, though. I yeah. Mean, just uh, to not give up, and it shows the importance of how – uh, how important this track meet is around the world, globally. So, yeah, I mean, it's a cool story to follow, and I will definitely uh, want to find out how he does in his race. Absolutely. That is the 5 at 5. So let's break these down. We did just break down the Ferdinand Amin-Yala story, but I going back to the Mariners, like what, what exactly, Stephen, is clicking for the Mariners? How many games have you been watching, and what exactly has been the source of the, the winning streak? Well, the winning streak started after that big brawl against the Angels. Right. Uh, if you remember that. I remember that. After that brawl, they they have been on fire since that game. Uh, you know, a lot of it is the, just the hitting with the Mariners. You know, Jesse Winker has been awesome the last 10 games when he plays, and he had struggled a lot going into the season. He was not hitting the ball well. He was walking quite a bit, which is what he does, uh, but he's starting to hit the ball. Julio Rodriguez is coming to his own, like I said, Ty France has been out. He's been hurt, but now he's back, and he's always hit the ball well all season long. And the pitching has been great. The bullpen, which was awesome last season, has been awesome again lately. This is all—it's all kind of clicking for Seattle right now, and uh, it's kind of a bad—you know—the worst timing because it's coming to the All Star break coming up this on the weekend. But you know, at the same time, it's better to get these wins in now and be in this spot rather than uh, being the hunter. Rather, now you're the hunted. You're in the playoffs right now. It's better be in that spot, but you know you would like to keep this momentum going, and hopefully that the All Star break doesn't ruin that momentum for him. It reminds me a little bit of the Blazers this past season, um, and they were expected to lose. They had just traded CJ in February, and suddenly they put together this four game winning streak, and not just any four game winning streak. Like this is a team with a depleted roster. Anthony Simons and Nurkic were playing. Josh Hart was just getting to Portland. Other than that, a lot of uh, you know Dame was sidelined. Norman Powell and Covington were just traded. So a lot of nobodies on this roster. And from my memory, the Blazers beat the Knicks. They beat the Grizzlies on the road. They beat um, the Lakers yep. at home. And then the Bucks. They beat the Bucks in Milwaukee. And it was like, I was a little bit mad, you know? Like, if, that, was if the team doesn't go on the winning streak, maybe they have Keegan Murray right now. Or maybe they have Jaden Ivey right now, rather than Shaden Sharp. So these things matter. But the Mariners are clearly in win-now mode. They're trying to make their first playoffs. They're similar to the Sacramento Kings. Like, people want the Kings to try to rebuild their roster, and they're like, no, we haven't made the playoffs in years. We're going for it right now. It feels like the Mariners are kind of like that, and the fact that they're doing this right before an All-Star break just reminded me of what the Blazers did. Yeah, I was on at another station, and I was mad the whole time they were winning. And, you know, there's a lot of people talking about the Lakers win and how it was a fun win. But you know what? It, it hurt. It was. But it wasn't, though, because it hurt the Blazers' chances it to does, get the yeah. best draft pick. And that was the ultimate goal. Once the Blazers knew they were tanking, that was the goal. And so I wanted the Blazers to lose every single game. And they did a great job. And they lost by, <laughs> they lost by 20 points Historic a lot of games. Historic job. But you know what? Even that one win against the Lakers it wasn't worth it for me. I just the I Lakers one was personally. See, it wasn't for me. It was, the, the Lakers were a laughing stock on Twitter that whole night because the Lakers were fully healthy that night, and again they were rolling out. I think Anthony Simons had uh, like thirty or something like that. Nurkic was going crazy in those games, and the Lakers like they they had a fully healthy roster looking to climb those standings and they come to portland against the laughing stock of a roster and they lost full strength trying as hard as they could i thought that one was worth it the other ones were not at the time what other stories did we just talk about we talked about uh the british open 
Who do you uh, who do you expect to win this thing? Uh well, I mean, I think you know Cam Smith being up two strokes. He's a really good golfer. He's got great hair. Mm-hmm. Also, he's got the long blonde mullet. Uh, so I'm a fan of that. As a bald man, I am very jealous of his hair. So I think uh, you know I think Cam Smith or Roy McIlroy, who's right there as well. I think those are uh, the two favorites right now. Yeah, my thing with golf right now is it's just like. So who do you remember who won the U.S. Open? Might have to do some research on that one. But just a couple of weeks ago, we had we had a guy that I had I had never heard of that uh, that ended up winning the last major. And I, it feels like that's the way with a lot of the the golf tournaments right now. Um, you know, you don't have a usual dominant figure. I thought Scotty Scheffler had a good chance of being that. I watched him during the Masters a couple months ago, and I thought that uh, that Scotty Scheffler had a real chance to to kind of be the guy in golf, but. You know, and at one point I thought Rory McIlroy was going to step up, but these guys are doing really well. You know, top five finishes. Both of them are in the top six right now at this tournament, but there isn't really someone that is just killing the game in golf right now. And I think that's the reason we're still clinging on to Tiger Woods and the legend that he is. And I'm not a huge golf guy. I'm definitely a casual golf fan. So really all I'm hoping for is, you know, some some drama at the end of the tournament on Sunday. I think that, that especially in the in the majors tournaments, that's all that I'm always looking for. And it ha- especially with good golfers, and we got some good golfers at the top of the leaderboard. So hopefully we get some drama uh, over this week over the weekend in the Open Championship, and it turns out to be fun Open Championship tournament. Another story in the five at five. Do you think that the Knicks, if they were to bring in Donovan Mitchell, suddenly it's R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, Julius Randall. Mitchell Robinson and kind of probably a thin bench. Do you think that's that's a playoff team in the East? It's a playoff team in the East, but do you think that's they're not contending, right? I think it's a play in team. It's a play in team. It's not it's not great. I, it's not you're not a guaranteed to get to the playoffs. But if you're roster. New York New you're York's New York, different. Right. New York's different because it's not as fun to have those up and comers on, on New York. They want to be relevant all of the time. They have more pressure on them than other fans, like other pr- franchises. Definitely, and the fact for New York is they they want these pieces now because they want to build for next season. They try to get more and more players, and it's not going to be about this season. Mm-hmm. They can't make a move that is going to win them an NBA championship this season. It's about getting that star it's about in getting, a Knicks jersey long term. It's about growing the roster into next season, going into 2024, trying to get another star player. But, yeah, if you're the Knicks, I mean – you got to get Donovan Mitchell at this point. I don't know what I would want to give up because it seems like six draft picks would be too much and to give up a lot of your bench, but that's kind of the asking price, and I don't see Danny Ainge really going off of that. There you have it. Five at five. You're listening to the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Leave it here. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the Bald Face Truth. My name is Sean McPherson. Stephen Vaughn with me today. We are holding it down as John is recovering from yesterday's golf tournament. BFT Foundation 8th Annual is a huge success, especially for Team Shoe Mill. Shante Leggins and company ended up winning the tournament 20 under or something like that. It was was a golfer-friendly event with the, the format that they ended up playing. It was just like everyone hit a ball. And then wherever the best ball is, we're all going to hit it again. And then whoever gets in the hole first, that's the score we're going to go with. So it ended up being 21 under, 22 under as the best score. But uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, got to watch a little bit. We had the broadcast going on. But uh, it was it was, it was was a really cool event. And it was uh, it was a lot of fun to see. I'm looking at photos 
uh, at the World Championships in, in Eugene, and night one of the event is about to happen. They've been it's been going on throughout the day, but a lot of prelims, a lot of a lot of opening events, not expected to to get a huge turnout. Once the nights start happening at the World Championships, there's final events, and suddenly there's World Champions being crowned. That's when the attendance is expected to to kind of boom a little bit. And right now, it's it's solid turnout. It's it's better than it ever was for the U.S. Championships or the NCAA Championships. It's probably the most full that Hayward Field potentially has ever been, just based on what I what I've seen and. Um, I, I was at the NCAA championships earlier this year. It, it wasn't very full, but it, it does look like it's, the place is filling out very nicely and just a ton of media in attendance. There is just media and media, and it looks like they, they kind of they designated a big portion of the stadium to media, which makes sense because there's athletes from all over the country who are hoping to uh, you know cover cover an athlete, maybe from their community, maybe from their country. And so there's just as much, well, I'm not going to say that, but there's a, there's a ton of athletes there and there's a ton of media there there to cover those athletes from, you know, and there's athletes from all sorts uh, of walks of life. Before we carry on with track and field, I do want to uh, bring on one of our callers. We got Tony and Vancouver talking about the favorite game that he went to. We were talking about this earlier. Tony, what's going on? Yeah, guys, uh, I wonder, you know, in, in 1969, my uncle, I was 12, which really dates me. It shows how old I am. But uh, we went to Candlestick Park. I used to collect baseball cards. Back then, you, I used to buy baseball cards. You didn't collect them. You didn't put them in little sleeves. You put them on the floor. Mm-hmm. And, and if they got traded, you would grab them a pan, and you would write the new team on them. Well, I kept them in a paper bag. And we went to San Jose, San Jose to visit my uncle. And I laid them out on his living room floor. And he said, you like baseball? I said, yes. And uh, he asked me, I've ever been to a game. And I said, well, I was going to go watch the Pilots, you know, next year and they were all around for one year but uh he says well let's go to candlestick park you want to go to see a baseball game and i went uh i said hell yeah i want to go and uh, i remember everything vividly about it in the fourth inning willie mays hit a home run to left and it barely went over the fence and it was barely fair right mccovey hit one in the seventh i don't even know if that thing's still landing yet that guy that guy was a brute but in the eighth inning you know, we was on the on-deck circle of the Giants' side of the field in the second tier of Candlestick Park, and there was a crowd gathering in the Mets bullpen like a, a mob. And uh, they were telling me that that was the phenom, Nolan Ryan. Was, he was only like 20 years old, and uh, he was warming up in the bullpen. And that was the first baseball game I ever went to. I remember it bright as day. I knew Kuzman was pitching for the Mets, but I don't remember who was pitching for the Giants. But that was the first game I ever saw. That's awesome. That's awesome. And my so, uncle took me to that, and I, I could never thank him enough. You know, that was my dad would have never took me to a game if he did, and and that's what I saw. So Candlestick totally Park, cool. San Francisco, what? Candlestick Park, San Francisco. Yep. And uh, he told me he said bring a jacket. And I said, well, it's sunny outside. Why right. do I need my jacket? You're going to need your jacket. When the sun goes down there, it gets cold in that bay. And uh, and that's that was my first game. And I remember it vividly. I'll never forget it. Who's the uh, who's your favorite player you've ever watched play? Because you're talking who's my, who's Willie Mays here. Now, that's ever played? That's ever played. The, the Your favorite player that you've ever seen play? That I've ever seen, Griffey, by far. Griffey, okay. Because, yeah, you're, you're talking about legends. I mean, that guy was amazing. Right, right. So... 
That's awesome. I mean, Willie Mays, I mean, yeah, I was 12, you know. Yeah. You know, I remember him, but I don't, you know, and he was a hero, but, uh, what you know, it was one time, and 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 I'll never forget, I'll, I'll never thank my uncle enough, but I did get to see Willie Mays and McCovey hit a home run and Nolan Ryan pitch. So who would have known if the Mets would have won the World Series? You were about the longest shot ever. Right. Yeah, well, I appreciate okay, the call, guys. Tony. That's a great memory. Man, 1969, Willie Mays, Candlestick Park. So correct me if I'm wrong, Candlestick Park used to be a football and baseball venue. Definitely, yes. Yeah, and they tore it down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I've been to the new. Better, yeah. yeah, I've been to Levi's Stadium. It's a, it's a beautiful venue. I'm sure people in San Francisco, people like Tony, miss Candlestick Park quite a bit. So that, that leads me to a question. There was a thought that popped in my mind. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I I welcome callers five zero three four one seven seventy five seventy five for this topic. We've talked about best sporting events we've been to. How about what's the peak of athlete performance that you've been able to see? Because I think of I've seen a lot of lot of people do amazing things on a track. I've seen I've seen big Damian Lillard games. Um, I've seen some awesome Justin Herbert performances at Oregon. Um, I wasn't quite around for for some of those peak Oregon peak Oregon teams, man. Uh, you know, just thinking about Kayvon Thibodeau and, and what he did at some some events that I was at the Pac-12 championship back in 2019. The Ducks beat Utah. What Kayvon Thibodeau did as a true freshman in that game doesn't get talked about enough. Man, I, I'd have to pull up his exact stats, but he was all over Tyler Huntley, the starting quarterback. He blocked a punt at some point in the game. Brady Breeze also went crazy that game. That was a really special Oregon team, and it's a shame that they lost to Auburn earlier in the year. It's a shame that they lost to Arizona State. That team, they wouldn't have done well in the playoff. Joe Burrow was in that playoff, and so was Clemson and Bama, and the fourth team was Oklahoma. But they could have been that team that fought Joe Burrow and probably would have lost by a lot. Yeah, they could have been the team that lost to Joe Burrow. They could have been that team. (laughs) And who knows, maybe if they get in the 2-3 game, maybe they could have seen Oregon uh excuse me seen LSU in the championship but that uh that team was special but anyway Stephen this the question still uh is for you and for any listener that wants to call 503-417-7575 best athlete performance you've seen in person yeah I mean I haven't been to a whole bunch of live performances I got, there's not really one that sticks out of just like a great performance um I mean I talked about going to that game against the Nuggets in the playoffs you know Rodney Hood dominated the second overtime, which I still can't, or third overtime, which I still can't oh, you believe. you were at that game. Wow. Yeah, or not that one. Yeah. yeah, but, I, you know, he dominated that. You know, um, ah, that's tough. Yeah, I uh, I really can't come up with one, to be honest with you. I always think back to my performances when I played. Those, you, are, my, those are my performances. What was your best performance? Oh, I've, uh, I have I had some big games. I we uh, I was in a pro-am at Jefferson High School when I was at, when I was at Concordia. It was a summer pro-am, and we played against... Thomas Gardner, who was on the Bulls summer league roster, and I believe in the preseason roster as well. Uh, but I had 50 points in that game. Uh, I had in a game when I was at Clackamas Community College in the quarterfinals. I had like 31 points and nine rebounds in an overtime win, double overtime win. I've had a really good couple of good wow. performances. I played. Uh, we played University of Oregon. I had 13 against them. Uh, I had 17 against Boise State. Wow. What's it like when you're when you're in the in the middle of a, uh, a potential 50 burger, 50 points. Are you just like, <laughs> give me the ball? Yeah, just give me the ball. I'm going to, I'm not going to force the shot, right? Like that, I'm not the type of person that's going to force shots, but 
I am the type of person that if I'm feeling it, you know, I want the ball and I want to try to make a play because that's what basketball is about. When you get in that zone, man, you just, you go for it. So, uh, you know, I was shooting a lot of threes at that point in my career. I was really, I was trying to transition my game from being more of like a really good athlete defender to more of a consistent scorer. Uh, and so I knew that's what my team needed most coming into right. Concordia and they needed a guy to come in and score. So I was really trying to get my, my jump shot down uh, really well at that point. So I was doing a good job of that in that game. Got another caller. Bob in Milwaukee wants to participate. What's going on, Bob? The best performance, the best performance I saw was back in 2004. I took my one trip to Fenway Park and saw Kurt Schilling battling Scott Casimir of the Rays. It was a one nothing game. The pitchers, both pitchers, were just on fire. Wow. Who who was the better pitcher? Schilling was the better pitcher, but Casimir got the best of that game because the bats weren't. There was hardly any hits. I think there was probably four hits combined. So neither pitcher had the no hitter. Right. And that was at Fenway. What's Fenway like? Yep. It was amazing. I've been a Red Sox fan since. Oh, uh, I started collecting baseball cards in like. 71 and uh that was my first trip out to fenway i did the tour and it was just amazing that's fantastic there's just something about baseball isn't there yeah absolutely appreciate the call bob that's a uh that's a a great memory fenway park that's another place that's on my bucket list you know i'm not a big baseball fan but wrigley fields fenway park there's just some mlb stadiums that i would love to Love to attend a game at. Yeah, I still remember my first baseball game that I went to up in Seattle. Uh, when I was littler, I played on the Red Sox. That was my team that I played for, you know, in the Little League. And with my last name being Vaughn, I was a big fan of Mo Vaughn, who played for the Red Sox. And so we went and saw uh, the Red Sox play the Mariners. John Valentin had a home run in that game. Uh, so it's just one of those special things, like you remember those type of moments mm-hmm. uh, when your first, uh, your first experiences, especially with baseball. There's some, just something about baseball that – you remember those type of things, but uh, you know, I was you, you'd ask me like best performances. I don't have a performance, but I do remember, um, and this always stands out to me. We went to a uh, me, my wife and me went to a Chicago Bulls Blazer game at the Moda Center, and it was at peak Derrick Rose. Mm. Derrick Rose was one of, was the craziest athlete I've ever seen in person. Really? Yes. When he was healthy and he was young, it was the MVP season. Uh, he was the most explosive athlete I've ever seen in my life. It was insane. And so he, I will always remember that he had a couple really awesome layups and I'm like, I don't even know how he did that. So it's just one of those things where he's unfortunate that he's gotten hurt in his career turned out like it did. Yeah. I saw Deandre Ayton up close in college back when he was a one and done at Arizona giant and that he was massive, so much bigger than everyone else. And that was the game that uh, it was the day after Sean Miller had, allegations about paying players oh, yeah. and the FBA was involved, uh, the FBI and Sean Miller was not there. And Deandre Ayton was the player that they reportedly right, got paid, but he played in that game and man, that place was rocking Matthew Knight arena that night. And one of the top seeds in the entire country, Arizona, they went down against a, a solid Oregon team, but not, not one of the top seeds in the entire country. So that was that was a super fun night. What a fun time just uh, just to reflect on some of the best uh, best sports memories that we've ever uh, we've ever 
seen, you know, individual performances. That being said, we got Punch It Audio coming up next. Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Leave it right here. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the Pac West Center. I'm Sean McPherson, joined by Stephen Vaughn. We are almost time. We are almost done with a three-hour show. The Bald Face Truth. John is out, uh, recovering from the eighth annual Bald Face Truth Foundation Golf Tournament, a fantastic event yesterday. So this is John's. Uh, he's taking next week off as well. He's got Camp Exceptional, which is where a lot of the proceeds went uh, from yesterday's golf tournament. So just kind of the uh, the vacation time of the year for Mr. Canzano. With that being said, we are going to play Punch It Audio, the best sound from all around. Let's go ahead and punch that up. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. DeAndre Ayton signed the biggest offer sheet in NBA history, a restricted free agent. It took weeks for DeAndre Ayton to figure out where his home was going to be, but it turns out he is staying home. In a little bit of a confusing situation, Adrian Wojnarowski explains why the Phoenix Suns are retaining DeAndre Ayton. Max, what I think it means is that at approaching 24 years old, that DeAndre Ayton was too valuable, too irreplaceable of an asset to simply let walk to Indiana uh, without any compensation. Now. DeAndre Ayton, uh, you know, essentially uh, went out into the marketplace and did something that the uh, Suns wouldn't do last year, and that was get uh, a max contract. Four years, $133 million, a record for a restricted free agent offer sheet. His agents, Bill Duffy, Nima uh, Namakian, you know, essentially were challenged by the Suns to go out and see if they could find it, and now they have. And by Phoenix matching the offer sheet, they cannot trade uh, DeAndre Ayton until January 15th of next season. But DeAndre Ayton has veto power over any trade for a year. And so certainly uh, a Suns team that still has championship aspirations, had the best record uh, in the league last season, uh, they they, they weren't going to let DeAndre Ayton walk for nothing. And they immediately matched that record $133 million offer sheet. So Adrian Wojnarowski explaining some of the uh, the semantics around the NBA, the restricted free agent deal. And uh, it's funny, DeAndre Ayton, not even an all-star yet. He signs the biggest offer sheet in NBA history. But I guess a lot of the top stars aren't all, always restricted free agents. The Pacers, they had DeAndre Ayton for eh, 10 minutes. The Suns, uh, the Suns matched it right away. Let's go ahead and see Adrian Wojnarowski. Do the Kevin, do the Suns still have a chance at Kevin Durant? Well, for Phoenix, it really uh, leaves them probably without the assets to be competitive uh, for a Kevin Durant trade. Again, DeAndre Ayton can't be traded until January 15th, and again, not without his consent. 
and Devin Booker, uh, who I think the Suns have no interest in trading. He can't be traded anyway for a full year uh, because of his new contract extension. So I think ultimately the Suns are, are probably left short of what it would take uh, to pry Kevin Durant out of Brooklyn. So they might strike out on Kevin Durant. The Suns have been the favorite for Durant all along, but it appears that they might not have the assets anymore. They're not able to trade DeAndre Ayton. Same thing happened with Portland. As soon as they retained Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, I think the it kind of it was kind of known that Kevin Durant was not going to be a Blazer, as if there was ever a chance. Tiger Woods, emotional. After being eliminated, not making the cut at the British Open, he might not ever play at St. Andrews ever again. Punch it. Again, anytime you get the chance to come back and play the old course um, in the Open, um, it's just it's just special. It really is. And as I uh, said to Tim, I've been lucky enough. They've been doing this since 1995. And uh, um, I, I don't know if I'll be physically able to, to play another British Open here at St. Andrews. I feel, certainly feel like I'll be able to play more British Opens, but I uh, don't know if I'll be around, you know, uh, when it comes back around here. So um, the warmth and the ovation on, at 18, it, it, it got to me. Um, uh, and just to walk, you know, I, I felt the guys stop there off, off the tee at 18. And I, it, uh, it was just incredible. The just amount of understanding and respect um, from all, all the people that are involved in, in this event that, that come out and support it, uh, the players. Uh, the nods I was getting as a player for going out. Um, I looked over there and, you know, Rory gave me a tip of the cap. JT did the same. Um, it, it's just, it's just there's something to it that's just different. It feels like a goodbye tour a little bit for Tiger Woods. We've seen that with Kobe Bryant. We've seen that with Derek Jeter. Just announcing that it's the last year and then they just become absolute legends in that last season that they're playing their sport and the fans just fall in love with that athlete at the very end of it because they know it's 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 almost done and uh it sounds like you know tiger woods hasn't gone out and said this is my last time playing at this event this is my last season of pga golf but it does seem like it's it's nearing the end for tiger woods which is awfully sad yeah it seems like it's the end of him competing right right like he'll be around he'll play tournaments you'll always see tiger woods but Tiger competing at majors, I think I think he knows it's kind of over. Brian Windhorst, a meme last week. This week he's back on first take, and he's talking about load management in the NBA. Punch it. The, the NBA has sent a message to their fans that the regular season isn't as important as it used to be, and if you keep telling your fans over and over, they're going to believe you. Um, but the other thing is that despite the load management, despite players taking games off for rest, Star players are getting hurt. We've got a terrible rash of year after year. We've had massive amounts of star players missing huge swaths of games. And, you know, as somebody who covered LeBron James every single day for a decade, I can tell you, I know exactly what it's like when you go in with the Cavs or the Heat into Utah where he's in there one night a year or back in the days of Seattle when they're in there one night a year. And... He has a sore ankle and he can't play. And I see people who got those tickets for Christmas, maybe, you know, months before, and they can't see it. But that's not the issue. The issue is that individual games missed due to rest. The issue is that these star players are getting hurt all the time. 
And when you when the star player misses 40, 50, 60 games, that's devastating not only to the fans who are showing up on an average Tuesday to see the Kings Bulls, but that's damaging to everybody, to your media partners, to your season ticket holders. And so the teams are trying to use some science to figure out how to prevent these star player injuries, and it's not happening. I see what Windhorse is staying here, Stephen, because while it does really suck for... He mentioned jazz fans or, you know, Sonics fans back in the day where you get a chance to see a player like LeBron James once a year and he sits out. That really sucks. But they play 82 games a season and then they go and play. I think the Warriors who won the finals this year and the Celtics who were in the finals ended up playing. You know, it's different for both teams, but it's at least 20 games, right? And so you add in, it's 100-plus basketball games every year. There's 82 games in a season. We just saw the Warriors, you know, they were the three seed in the West, and they, they kind of proved that the seeding didn't really matter. They got past the Nuggets, then the Grizzlies, then the Mavericks. So it makes sense. The regular season doesn't matter a lot. There's a ton of games, and injuries happen from playing a lot of basketball. So I see what Windhorse is saying there. Yeah, no, there's. it's proven scientifically that it's better to rest and not play a full 82 games all these minutes. And I think you can look here in Portland and see the amount of pressure that Dame has put on, been put under and all the load that's been on his shoulders. And it was almost a good that he got to sit out all last season because his legs needed it, his body needed it. So hopefully this season he comes back 100% healthy. But, yeah, it does suck when you want to go to a game, especially if you're a kid, and the star player's not there. Yeah. So, but we, I talked about Derrick Rose, the segment before, you know, if he, maybe if he load managers, maybe he doesn't get hurt all the time. I don't know, but they need to figure something out because the guys, the guys are too big and too athletic nowadays to just say, well, that's what they did in the old days. They got to switch something up. Well, the easy solution is to cut the amount of games, but then you lose a lot of money and you know, the NBA is yeah, clearly not, the, clear, the NBA is clearly not starved for money. I mean, we just saw Damian Lillard get two years, $122 million, but I, I don't, they clearly don't want to lose money on purpose. So something's got to get figured out. I'll be curious to see. Maybe they add in that midseason tournament that draws more revenue, and then suddenly you can cut more regular season games. Uh, I'd be really interested to see what Adam Silver does over uh, the next couple of years as the NBA goes on. That's Punch It Audio, best sound from all around. We got to catch one more break here on the Bald Face Truth. When we come back, we'll wrap things up and we'll talk about the pulse coming up at six o'clock right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Wrapping up what's been a fun show here, I'm Sean McPherson, joined by Stephen Vaughn. And Stephen, we got a full another hour of radio coming right up here on 750 The Game. So we finished the BFT, and then we're uh, we're filling in for another person that's currently uh, on vacation, Peter Sampson. What are we going to talk about on The Pulse tonight? It's uh, it's your show. Yeah, so uh, The Pulse again. I hosted last night, I hosted again. You know, it's kind of unfortunate that everyone's gone. I feel like we're the only two left. The last two standing, but uh, yo, it's Dame's birthday today. I don't know if you knew this, Sean, but it is Damian Lillard's birthday. Thirty-two. Thirty-two years old. It's getting up there. Yeah. But uh, I love Dame. There's been so many good Dame moments. But I want to talk about Dame and just my favorite moments of him and uh, a lot of NBA news that we're going to rehash. 
Uh, college football, there's a Brett Venables audio clip that I really find hilarious that I want to play. Uh, and there was a story from yesterday that you talked about uh, with Miss Oregon, uh, Arielle Freitag. Right. She uh, talked about breaking Guinness World Records. I want to bring that back up again. I brought it up last night. I want to bring it up again, uh, throw you on the spot a little bit. Looking forward to the Pulse. Things will be a little bit more normal next week. It's been a crazy week at our station. Peter Sampson on vacation. Judah Newby, health and safety protocols. Uh, Kanzano with the golf tournament going on. And then, uh, you know, he's currently taking his vacation as well. So uh, this has been this has been a lot of fun, but also exhausting. You know, I definitely applaud Kanzano uh, for being able to do three hours of radio on a daily basis because it's uh, it's a lot of content at once. I feel like we've talked about a lot today, right? But there's so much going on in, in this summer. I think there's a lot of excitement to be had in uh, in Portland and in Oregon. You got the World Championships going on down in Eugene, getting ready for the first night of that. And then we've got um, the Portland Timbers. We didn't get to talk about them, but obviously if you're a big listener of 750 The Game, you're aware that Portland Timbers are very hot right now. They have gone five unbeaten, and they were struggling before the international break, but the team gets three weeks off, and uh, Gio Savarese gets to gather his team, and they're coming off of a huge win. They go up to Seattle, their bitter rival, and once again, they're able to get a win at Lumen Field. They won 3-0, to zero, completely dominated the Sounders, and the Sounders are a really good team. They won the CONCACAF uh, basically the North American championship earlier this year. So they uh, they had that brag, and they did their uh, their ceremony in front of the Timbers. They waited to uh, to put down the banner until the Timbers came to town, and the, the Timbers gave it to them. So uh, Timbers going on this weekend. I'll be producing that game on Sunday. Steven, what do you got going on this weekend? Uh, you know, I think I'm heading to the beach. We're going to the beach with uh, my wife's family's already down there. They're staying down there with her, you know, her sister and uh, – her husband and then her mom and dad and her uncle will be down there. So I think we're going to head down with the kids and uh, just hang out there at the beach a little bit. Relax. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Hopefully the weather reacts well for us. Yeah. And hopefully the Blazers can can take home this summer league title. I, I've been watching a little bit above your head, Stephen. The Thunder are currently they're currently beating the Warriors, but Jonathan Kaminga threw down a vicious slam against the Thunder, but I'm hoping that the Blazers can. That's another thing to get excited about if you're in Oregon right now. Like, what, uh, sure. What number did you get the Blazers at to win the summer? Oh league? man, I, I couldn't tell you. you. I, I'd have to pull up. It was they were down there. They were down there, twelve to one maybe. There you go. But anyways, I think Shaden Sharp's hurt, right? So a lot of people may have turned off their TV for the rest of summer league. If you're a Blazer fan, once that moment happened, and I I was one of them. I was pretty frustrated that night. But to see Jabari Walker play as well as he has, Trendon Watford, Keon Johnson. Brandon Williams, Didi Lazuda. I mean, that's kind of their squad, and they've been winning some games. They beat the Rockets yesterday. The Rockets had three first-round picks, right? Was, like, and, you know, three first-round picks in this year's draft, and yet they they went out there and they they beat the Rockets. So, just a, a ton to be excited about in the uh, the state of Oregon. And it was if, only a few years ago when the Blazers took home the summer league championship. Right, right. So, yeah, kind of the dog days of summer. But not really, right? You have the world championships going on in Eugene. Definitely try to go down to Eugene, even just be around it. That is a massive sporting event going on in Lane County right now. That being said, I've been Sean McPherson. He's been Stephen Vaughn. Have a great weekend, everybody.